Extraordinary, isn't it? That music can exist in the same world as the basest treachery and ingratitude. Yours, yours, mine, mine, theirs. All right. This is our movie podcast, everyone. It's called Yours, Mine, and Theirs, and we're talking Claude Rains today, three of his films. My name is John, and I hope to strangle the truth out of my guests, which are... (laughs) Hi, I'm Roy. Don't let my Roman nose scare you. I won't eat you. I'd rather drink nuclear wine and eat the wedding cake of despair. (laughs) And I... Am I a world-weary traveler? Am I a cranky old man? We don't know for sure, but one thing we can say is that I'm every ingenue's second choice. Ammon <laughs> Allred. Thank you, you Ammon. It's good to have you back. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned, we we're talking Claude Rains movies, Caesar and Cleopatra, Notorious, and Deception. Some adequately titled films, I think. All within like a year of each other, right? Yeah, yeah I don't think we did it on purpose, but... no. Yeah, so it's kind of fun. It's like this is like a time machine, right? We we went yeah. back to 1945 and ended in like I don't know, like uh like August of of 46. Yeah. And uh yeah, yeah I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. And it kind of it's kind of interesting. They get less colorized as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, people think Claude Rains is like this huge movie star with a huge career, but apparently he only acted during 2 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what we learned. You know, we're yep. covering the the vastness of Claude Rains' career. 12 months of movies. acting. That's all I had. Yeah. It's like, you know, you don't want the whole JFK biopic. You just want the 13 days. This is like, this is Claude Rains' 13 days. <laughs> yes. The 13 days yes. that made him, that saved the world. I like that. I rather enjoyed the uh, Lincoln movie that came out like 10 years ago. That yeah, it was good. It was just called Lincoln, but I, I don't like the title because it was like 10 days of his life, you know? And, yeah, and, like I, and I like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Anyway, uh, I don't know if we have any news since we last spoke. We last spoke, you know, with your birthday movies, Ammon. So I yeah, hope you've recovered. Well, uh, yeah, that was fun. And I like that we're still just sticking with noir. <laughs> like all of yeah. these. It's, like <laughs> it's perfect. No, it's yeah. perfect. I guess, you know, in, I don't know, we somehow managed and finagled you to get the Claude Rains movies. And so You're I welcome. think you knew that going in. <laughs> you set up the noirish ones last week, last time. And now we're kind of back with Caesar and Cle- Cleopatra noir. It's <laughs> uh, the most noirish of them all. Ancient sure. Roman noir. Yeah. yeah. And then Hitchcock noir. And then uh, whoever directed Deception noir, which, um, well, we'll talk detailed noir when we get to that. I don't know if we have anything else to talk about. Uh, you know, we're, we're not necessarily in a time crunch, but I think we're being very efficient right now if we go oh, ahead and start. It's pretty exciting, yeah. So yeah. Think, here's news. I don't think this counts as news. And I, okay. I, I think, John, that I was like a mile from where you lived. But because we talk on the podcast, I didn't need to come by and see you. <laughs> oh, what, just now? Like a week ago. That's why I was traveling. I mean, I had no time. But uh, uh, yes. my, my, my daughter is starting up at Westminster, in, which is in Salt Lake City. Okay, she's at West. Okay, no, I saw you posted photos, and I'm like, yeah. oh, uh, I, I guess I guess she's hanging out in, in Utah now. And I wasn't sure, you know, where the collegiate life would be. So I was wondering about that. Okay, Westminster, that's that's nice. That's very close to me. And yeah. uh, good part of town. Yeah, so I will be out there visiting her. And I mean, technically, I guess I go back to my family anyway, but hopefully... Uh, Next time it won't be on like a 24 hour run between driving back and forth across the country. But John, uh, don't initiate contact. Just watch her from a distance. Uh, sure. 
<laughs> All right. Just say I knew your father. <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. Uh, if if she needs any supplies or groceries or whatever, let me know and I can drop. Let me know. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's great news. Okay. Well, should we talk Caesar and Cleopatra now? Heck yeah. It's in Technicolor. Uh, Roy, is this yours? It's mine. Oh, boy. Uh, this should be interesting because <laughs> I do remember in your public Facebook notes, I think the last note you made was, I don't know what happened in this movie. <laughs> that, that comment was repeated several times. So I usually, I usually read all of yours, Roy, but for, since I'm on this one, I've not read any of the comments. So I'm going okay. to clean. Oh, that's a good well, idea. So here's the deal. I guess the Romans have just conquered Egypt and they're waiting for Caesar to arrive. And it's Claude Rains. Well, and I, and, okay, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Can I? Okay, because this is actually one of the things I was going to ask about. I yes, think, uh, Ammon, you might be able to help with this because, you know. I know the history pretty well. I will try to not be, like, <laughs> overbearing, but yeah. Sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, from kind of what I was getting was Caesar was going, because Egypt was conquered by the Romans, but... Mm-hmm there was kind of a civil war, right? And there's kind of a question on the power struggle on who's going to run Egypt. And so it, it's, and so like all the fighting that happens, it's like, yeah, there are some Egyptians fighting, but it's kind of like Romans allied with one person, Romans allied with, with Caesar, right? Is that it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, so yeah, so Pompey, so right. So, so Caesar is in the civil war with Pompey, right? In fact, as they mentioned briefly, and this really happened in real life, Pompey has just been killed. Okay, okay. Um, I did write that down. And then I wrote down, wait, maybe he hasn't been killed because they said something else that made me. But they may have said Ptolemy or something. Yeah, Caesar has technically won the Civil War, but now he's trapped in Egypt because there's this Egyptian Civil War. But yeah, so the reason, yeah, but so so at this point, Egypt is a client kingdom. So it's technically independent, but it's really dominated by the Romans. It won't actually become a real part of Rome until our friend Cleopatra dies about 20 years after this movie with the other lover that they mentioned a few times in this one. That, and they couldn't stop mentioning him. That, that, that's kind of, okay. I, or Roy, I, I'm sorry. This, this always happens. We always do this with one movie every time where we can't get through the summary because, you know, I have to, I have to say something. This is, this like one of the first like prequel movies? Like, okay, this is how it began. <laughs> well, so, and wink, wink, yeah. Antony, wink, wink, that's going to happen. You if know, and, to, and so it's like the Star Wars prequel of Egypt here. Yeah. If we want to <laughs> jump to the end of this film, as Caesar's leaving, he's like, I'm sending you a little present. She's like, oh, is it true? Is it true? He's like, Mark Antony's coming. And she <laughs> says, I cannot wait to be in the next movie where I will be called Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> and which will also be an incredibly expensive box office flop. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the biggest, this was a huge box office flop. Oh, do you want to know? And massively expensive. So um, it cost $1.3 million, which I guess in 1945 is a bum load of money. I have no idea how much it made. $4 billion. Dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Whatever. So here's the point. Uh, Caesar arrives. He's hanging out at the Sphinx, but it turns out it's just like the little baby Sphinx, like the Sphinx for little for kindergartners or something. Sphinx and, set. Yeah. Cleopatra's just hanging out in the desert on the Sphinx. And anyway, he she doesn't know that he's Caesar and he, you know, talks to her and takes her back to the palace because she's the queen, right? And I think she doesn't realize he's Caesar until the last minute of the film. That's not Who true. Who he was, though? Uh, I don't know, but he finally says, look at this Roman nose. I will eat you. And he's always threatening to eat her, which <laughs> is kind of weird. But anyway, as soon as she gets back into the palace, she realizes, 
I'm not just Cleopatra. I'm Vivian Leigh and I'm Scarlett O'Hara. So let's whip some slaves. So that was pretty good. Nice. Good callback to previous roles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I think, is it, is it Caesar's slave is called Rufio? Rufio is his, is his soul. It's like his general. His general. Yeah. He's being hook from. (laughs) Every time they mentioned his name, I went bangerang. And uh, I should let you know, I really hate that movie hook. Like a lot. It's so not a good movie. Not a good movie. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we meet Cleopatra's brother, Ptolemy, and he's even worse than she is, but she's like a 12-year-old girl. That's how she acts for the first half of the 12 movie. 12 is generous. 12 is generous, yeah. I, I I mean, I it's it's weird. It's like, why is she playing six years old? That's where the whole, like, Romans <laughs> eat you kind did, of thing. Did you guys look up what age? So Vivian Lee at this point is like 30. Yeah. Which is yeah. weird, right? Yeah. Because right. yeah, she's playing it like she's a child. Very yeah. child, yeah. It's it's weird because she's she, older than Gone with the Wind, and so it's it's weird seeing someone like she's still a young woman, but she's still like older than the other movie I've seen her in, and then she's playing way younger. And she's so white, and I imagine if you live in Egypt, maybe you get a little sun. I don't know. <laughs> she looks like a vampire. She is vampiric white in this film. So okay. Anyway, good for her. She constantly sits on the sacred snake chair, which I guess Caesar does too, but <laughs> no one has any uh, respect for the snake chair. Anyway, the point is, is that Caesar, uh, basically Ptolemy gets kind of kicked out, right? And Cleopatra sort of takes over. I know that he tells them they can rule together, but we don't see Ptolemy again for the rest of the film, I think. So can I, can I jump in again? Go ahead, Mr. History. Ptolemy, so yeah, Ptolemy is, is this this younger brother slash husband slash yeah, husband. Cocaine. I want to get to that. Yeah, <laughs> is Targaryen be, husband. Yeah, right. And he's being supported by the other faction, right? So the other Romans are trying to like Caesar's backing Cleopatra, and the other Romans are backing him. So we do never see him again, except for a couple of shots in the battle, which you know we can talk about when we get there. But he's supposed to be sort of technically leading the other soldiers, although obviously. He's just like a dumb kid who's like, oh, that's right. We do see him at the end. He is. Yeah. A dumb kid. yeah. But but it was just good luck, right? That Caesar just bumped into Cleopatra in the middle of the desert. Yeah, it seems that just way. charmed her with candy. And then she's like, I'm I'm supporting you and your army now because of candy. Yeah. Yeah. Fair okay. enough. I like candy, too. Yeah, it's pretty good. So when when she gets back to the palace, though, initially, like her servants treat her like crap. But with Caesar's help in no time, she is treating her slaves like slaves again. So that's good, in, including Fatata Tita Tata Tamita. So that lady, she just doesn't treat, by the way, Tata Tita. Like the way that they're all making fun of this made up name that they have that I don't think is an actual Egyptian name. Yeah, it <laughs> racist, but it doesn't feel great. <laughs> Her foreign name is so stupid. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, Fatata Tita, I guess, starts to sort of treat her like a queen. The point is, is there's this weird battle, and Caesar leaves because he's so excited. By the way, like Claude Rains plays the funnest Caesar ever. I think I would love to hang out with Claude Rains Caesar. He just seems like he's game for anything, and. <laughs> So he's ready for fighting, and so they go out. Where do they find themselves? Are they at the lighthouse? They find yeah. themselves at the lighthouse, and you know they're waiting to get attacked, and it's not going to go well. But at least they have dates to eat, and the best news of all: no women. They're having a good old war. No women. Uh, as it turns out, that was a little. She nails herself there. Yeah, because Cleopatra stuffs herself 
in uh, in a carpet. And it's kind of maybe the better part of the movie where they're transporting the carpet. And and I think Fatata Tita says something like, now be careful with that carpet. Pretend the queen stuffed herself inside it. Treat the carpet <laughs> like that. So anyway. Her, her oiled up manservant is like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He's the Sicilian, right? Like yeah. I think he yeah. forearms someone to death at one point. So he's right. a pretty good fighter. He uh he later is outwitted by uh Carrie Elwes in mm. uh Princess Bride because he's the Sicilian. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. And who knew Wallace Shawn like shrunk a foot and a half? He shrunk so. a foot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, she gets there. It's it, everyone's so happy to see her. They're so happy to see her that they throw her into the water and Caesar dives into the water and everyone's diving into the water. And, and swimming is an option. Like they swimming didn't even, is an option. I, I love how it's like, how are we going to cross this water? And then one of them said, we can swim, you know, just like in <laughs> three amigos <laughs> swimming. If only we'd known about that earlier. So, and like he barely makes it because Cleopatra's hanging on him. Like a millstone. She's like kind of surfing him. Yeah. She's kind of. <laughs> I believe they say riding like a dolphin, which of course does not yes. come back with double entendre later. <laughs> okay. Do you guys, you guys ever see the the uh, the music video by? Why can't I think of the name of the band uh, with the Bat Commander? What's the name of the band? The Aquabats. Aquabats. It's called Shark Fighter. Have you seen the Shark Fighter music video? I haven't had the pleasure. No. Oh, it's so delightful! At the very end of the music video, they ride an otter like a like a jet ski or like a motorcycle. It's anyway, wow. so that's whatever. That's sort of how yeah. you visualizing what happened. It's real. So another important part about this movie that will help you understand it better if you're lost at this point is no one can shake hands. Everyone has to arm clasp. There's an enormous amount of arm clasping. It's very meaningful. And it, it, you can look people right in the eye when you're arm clasping. And I think Caesar arm clasps everyone multiple times. So uh, including, I think, is it Rufio who he leaves behind to be the governor of Egypt? And I think Rufio says, only as Caesar's slave have I found real freedom. And that's nice because if you're going to teach about slavery, you have to teach that they also learned some important values and lessons. No, so you're close. So that's actually the Brit, his British secretary. Oh, that's right, that guy, the Brit. Yeah, where Caesar's like, "Well, I was going to free you, but never mind." And the guy's like, "Thank you so much." I love being your slave. It's been the best. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a really fun moment. You're like, Ooh. this time, yeah, slavery's better than the British Isles at yeah. this time. Yeah. So it, there's a point in the movie after they swim back where we fast forward six months, and in that six months, Cleopatra has aged about fifteen years. She's way more into harp than she was before. And she's also way more into murders. <laughs> she kills the, the big, the big guy. That's John kind of plotting. Yeah. John Candy. She kills John Candy. Po- and po- she actually, finest? she has oh, finest. I think. Is yeah. His name. She yeah, has, the, she name, has yeah. the Tata Tita kill John Candy. And then because people are all upset that John Candy got killed. Well, she sends, is it Rufio? Not Rufio. Yeah. She sends Rufio to kill the Tata Tita. And everyone's kind of laughs about Fatata Tita getting killed. But I think there's a point at which the... I, including Cleopatra. Including Cleopatra. Yeah. Because yeah, because the, no one can get her name right. And that's what makes her crack up. She's like, oh, she was my trusted maidservant that you murdered. But it's funny that you misplaced her name and I'm cool now. <laughs> so there's a very brief, very serious speech about how murder shall breed murder. And, and Claude Rains has his, his moment. And it's lovely. But... Um, Really, it's just a passing thing. It's a little murder. It's just a little murder with another murder. 
And then Caesar goes home and he says goodbye to Cleopatra and she will really miss him. She comes out to say goodbye. And I think at the end, he's like, seems like something's off. What am I missing? And then she comes out. I was like, oh, yeah, that one lady that I've been <laughs> hanging out with for the whole movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's nice that she's saying goodbye. So she comes out and says goodbye. And she says, you promised me something. He's like, yeah, I'll send Mark Antony. And she starts like scrawling in hieroglyphics. Cleopatra Anthony, Cleopatra Anthony with like little hearts around it and stuff. So yeah, uh, that was the movie. Uh, if it sounds like I didn't sum up a plot, it's because I'm not sure there was one. Uh, Cleopatra <laughs> is a little girl and then she's a murderer. That's the plot. Right. Well, you look up, you look up this movie cause I did the same thing. I kind of, I looked up on Wikipedia and all Wikipedia entries aren't equal, but I'm just like, I'm just going to get the gist of the plot just to make sure I, you know, I, I probably missed a lot of stuff. I want to get the political stuff. And the plot on Wikipedia just says, uh, Caesar teaches Cleopatra how to be a leader in Egypt. Yes, it's a is sentence. That, is that even what uh, happens? It's a and it's not sentence. really it's... what happens either. No, yeah. Right. It, it's, it's, cause, I mean, if anything, uh, like the, it, it's like, okay, that it could be that. And he could, like, anytime Caesar, like, expelled wisdom, it was not to her. Yeah, uh, it, it was pretty much like their relationship. It was just kind of, uh, it, I don't know. I don't want to get into the weeds here, but it just seemed like it was just grooming and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it was like, it was like, but it was like double grooming, right? Because he is grooming her to also be his like viceroy, right? As she says. And he's like, I'm because right. everyone's like, ooh, Caesar's going to be so pissed that he said that. He's like, no, that's like literally what I'm doing. I don't want her hanging around. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. It's totally grooming. Yeah. Yeah, and okay, and actually, Ammon, historically, because, you know, I mean, I don't know anything, I don't know Antony and Cleopatra. I don't really know that story, I just know that that happened, but is this actually a thing where Caesar so had, this is like, acquaintance two, with Cleopatra? This is actually way more, ac- it's not entirely accurate, but it's way more accurate than you would think. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it is really true, like, Cleopatra and Caesar really do meet at the end of the Civil War, right? So Pompey has been killed and the Egyptians kill him because even though he's been their friend, they're like, oh shit, Caesar's going to win this thing. And then we're, um, then we're done. Right. So they do kill him, but okay. So here's some of the like crucial differences that I do think matter. So when like in, in IRL, Cleopatra's probably like in her early twenties. Right. So she's not like, like 13 to 14 or whatever (laughs) she's supposed to be in this. And she's actually already been queen for a while. Uh, um, so she, so it is just a, the Ptolemies really with, did. Is she co-queen? Or, you know, yeah. did they really lead together? She oh yeah. Them. Well, technically, right. So the Ptolemies did do that, right? Where they would, in order to consolidate power, they would the king would marry his sister. Nice. Okay. Now, I think a lot of times they also had other. You know, that was not <laughs> that was let's say a ceremonial marriage, but very often you know, you would be the descendant of both. So their family tree was very messed up. And apparently there were in fact, a lot of, let's say issues in the family tree. Hmm. But so she really was ruling with her younger brother basically, but she had like pushed him aside. Cause she was like at least an adult and he was like 11. Right. Yeah. But then, but then like her advi- the advisors really did come in and push her out. So when Caesar gets there, she is hanging out at the Sphinx. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, she's exiled. So actually, she's exiled in Syria, but basically the same. Yeah. And, but she's like, oh, I bet you I can get Caesar to, because the old the other Egyptians were like kind of close to, to my brother. I bet you I can get Caesar to back me. And then he really does. Apparently, she really was an amazing woman and he really does fall in love with her. And like, so they co rule, like he, he 
basically installs her. The whole bit about how there's a civil war taking place in the city, like that all really did happen. Um, Caesar does live with her for like a year. Right. And like they do go down the, they have like a little romantic journey down the Nile, which they sort of refer to in this, but they don't actually do, but that really does happen. She actually also has a son with him. Hmm. Okay. Who she will also eventually co-rule with, but hopefully not marry. She has a son Um, with Caesar. Yeah. Okay. And she, and she goes back with him to Rome. So in real life, she goes back with him to, in Rome. Like she seems to have really been in love with him and vice versa. Um, but yeah, she was already a leader. Like she was already a very remarkable ruler by the time Caesar gets there. But other than that, the story is like pretty close to true. Well, it's kind of, it, it's weird that the true part, it, like this movie, it seems to distance itself. It's like, okay, the love story hasn't happened yet. Don't worry, audience. Antony's coming <laughs> later. You know, don't worry. And they, they kind of like, all the people in the back are like, ooh, the intrigue. There's that vibe, you know, yeah. in the background. But it's it's kind of funny that, I mean, yeah, they obviously downplay it. No, it's totally, it's totally in the open. And yeah, and, and Anthony, like, so, so so then like Anthony, the stuff with Anthony, who really was like Caesar's. Oh, also, I looked up Rufio's a real dude. Totally okay. a real person. Which right. yeah. And this is the thing that blew me the carpet thing is also real. Oh, good deal. Supposedly yeah. true. Although not getting into the lighthouse, but that was supposedly how she got past her brother. Since her brother controlled Alexandria and she was in exile, she had like her people like smuggle her in a carpet, apparently. Wow. So, so that part's all real. Yeah. Egyptian and history is... Years later. Yeah. And you know, their whole relationship is like, you know, 10, 15 years after this. But So Egyptian history fascinates me because I, I recently learned something that that was it just felt so unreal so i guess during cleopatra's time they already had archaeologists because the gap between now and cleopatra is smaller than the gap between cleopatra and when the pyramids were built substantially smaller yeah like a good three thousand like it's three thousand years versus two thousand years yeah yeah that's wow that is really crazy. crazy wow okay well Here's the deal, though. I uh, This is based on a George Bernard Shaw play. Um, that kind of blew me away, too. Yeah, and I'm not sure if... I'm not sure how much was rewritten, but I, I had some questions about this because the language, like, it seems a little bit Shakespearean, and I don't want to say that as in it was elegant, and I don't want to say that like it was hard to understand. It just seems like it was like that period of English that they were speaking, you know? Yeah, like, it, yeah. So for me, as I was watching this, it felt like they were filming a Shakespeare stage performance, but it was Caesar and Cleopatra. It, it it felt to me like they took all of the phrases that had like no cleverness or insight to them, and they <laughs> just and that and that was the vocabulary they were using. You know, it just seemed like the most boring Shakespeare language. I would put it, it was like, it was like somebody had given a Ren Faire a huge sets and costumes budget. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, yeah. And I was kind of, yeah, I, I would say that I actually wrote down, um, dorky Shakespeare kids in the backyard, putting a play on. <laughs> but yeah, I would be really curious with the George Bernard Shaw. Cause first of all, that's not how Shaw, you know, Shaw is like late 19th century. So that's not how yeah. he talks. Right, and right. he's a really good writer. <laughs> so, like, and there were there were parts of this that I really, really liked, but a lot of the script was really dumb. Right? Yeah, it, okay. it seemed like the. I mean, just the dialogue was just so like stylized to a specific point that it yeah. it it didn't 
you know, I didn't take it too well. And it's kind of funny. It's like, oh, wow. You know, all these like, uh, you know, old epics from the times. It's weird how ro- how like modern they they would have worked. Yeah. How exactly modern the screenplay would have been like back mm-hmm. then to see it like this, because it just seems just way too stuff. Like they're trying to sound like a, a time of the past, but it sounds like yeah. English time of the past rather than like Egyptian Roman stuff. You know what this movie could have used? Uh, just to kind of juice it up a little bit, a moment where uh, Rufio turns to Caesar and says, hey, Caesar, how's Cleopatra? And then and then Caesar says, well, to be honest, she's a real pain in the asp. <laughs> <laughs> and then they could have had the rim shot right there. Yeah, and then, then they both look straight at the camera and smile. <laughs> Rufio says, I don't get it. And he says, and then Caesar says, You'll, you will in the next movie. Mark Antony is coming. We've been saying it a lot. Um, <laughs> I had a really good point, but I've just forgotten. What okay, I have a really good point while you're thinking. Go for um, it. Ptolemy, the kid, he looks exactly like Kristen Stewart. Yes. <laughs> but like, if he was the softest, most bullyable 11-year-old boy. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor kid. That's He's pretty. Wonderful. He is. Yeah. He's got uh, great hair too. Yeah, I, I always love I always love Egyptian hair. It's, oh man, cool. we should have a best hair award because Holenius, Holenius, oh. man, that hair. <laughs> There's a lot of good hair. I mean, so well, okay, so um, oh, just lost it again. My my mind keeps going. I'm sorry, guys. You're the worst. <laughs> oh no, it was something that Roy brought up earlier that I wanted to ask about. Okay. All the references to eating one another in this movie. Yeah, there's What's a lot of them. That? <laughs> I thought it was based on, but this, it flies in the face of what you were saying about, um, you know, like, cause the Romans were already there. Like what I thought it was, was, Hey, the Romans are coming. And when you are experiencing like alien invaders and like the rumors start flying about like who these people are, we've never seen these people before. You kind of start making stuff up, you know, like, like this prejudice, this racism yeah. against like the others, like, okay, th- this is, and we other them. And so the, our enemies are so horrible. They, you know, they eat you. And right. I thought it was based something on that, but I mean, she wouldn't have said that if, if she like grew up like in within Roman culture. Yeah. I mean, she would have known. So the, the Ptolemies were themselves. So they were a Greek dynasty, right? They were descended from one of Alexander's generals. And yeah, like the Romans were everywhere already by this point. Right. And, by, and like they, yeah. Um, and she doesn't she at one point say she's going to eat someone too? Probably Mark Anthony. I, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just assumed every time they said it, they were being sexual and super inappropriate. So. Well, well, she says it because like that's like the the Wikipedia summary of this movie is that Caesar teaches her how to be a leader, and that's just right. something that she glommed off of him. Like he says, he threatens her. You know, he he prays into her kind of uh, her belief instincts and. And once she realizes that he, I don't even know if she realizes he does that to deceive her, but she just does the same thing, right? She's like, oh, a strong leader threatens the people below her. And that's the thing she learns. Yeah. Well, and she does learn that part of it, right? The, the the generosity part, which again is one of the things that actually has some, you know, they make him seem like an almost pacifist, which is of course ridiculous, but he was uh, famously very conciliatory to the, to his like, rivals after he beat them right oh and apparently the thing about pompey when they kill pompey on his behalf he gets really pissed off with them right that apparently oh, reality too 
Oh, but, poor, poor Egyptians. They're like, uh, we kind of thought you'd appreciate it. Oh, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> like, we did this for you. Yeah. We learned it by watching you. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so much hypocrisy back then. But there's something else Roy said. You mentioned that, like, Claude Rain seems to be having so much fun as Caesar, which was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Like, he just seems to be, he's in a different movie than everybody else. And the movie he's in is <laughs> super fun. That's you're true. Right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Like the movie he's in is like a buddy film, right? <laughs> yeah. Like him and Rufio meet this cool chick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's totally what it is. And they're so laid back about it. They're like, yeah, we're cool. Everybody's cool. Hmm. Here's a gay buddy of Apollodorus is going to hang out with us. Like they're going to drink wine and have fun. I'll drink my barley water. But well, the thing is, the writing aside, like I had a problem with the actual written word of this movie. Like it was trying to do something that I'm like, I'm not appreciating this. But it it beget that type of just super mid-century faux Shakespearean acting. Like so many of the side characters are (laughs) are playing parodies of like Shakespeare background characters. And they're just really giving their all to that. So I, when I first started watching this, so I watched some of it one night and I was very, it was actually right after I watched Deception. I was so tired. I had to stop. And I was really having trouble following it then. <laughs> but when I was watching that and then I started the next thing, I was like, oh, it's actually not that, not so bad. Although again, you kind of know the history, but I, at first I was like, is this supposed to be like a rom-com? <laughs> right, right. Because like there's some, like it's there's like Vivian Lee's performance is I want to talk about that more too because it's a very uh, I think I like it and I think it's intentional but I'm not sure hmm. I'm also I'm not sure, sure I don't like it okay but she but you know it's like they both seem to be like cracking jokes but then I'm like well maybe this is what happens when you watch it an epic movie seventy year seventy five years after it's been filmed. Maybe it was like super serious to them, but it just seems like intentionally funny to me. I wasn't sure. See, I mean, I don't know. It, you might, you might be right. It, well, I don't know. I mean, we could give them more credit. Maybe they were aware that it was jokey, jokey, and we're just not getting the jokes because it just seems so. The way they act, it just seems so stuffy that yeah. I can't get the jokes if they're going for the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Like the whole Sphinx thing. Like, what's up with the private Sphinx? <laughs> it's very weird. And Apollodorus is supposed to be hilarious, right? Like, he's the gay best friend, right? Like, yeah. that's where that yes. comes from. It's funny. For the big, giant budget that this movie is, there's very little fighting. There's kind of a big fight toward the end, but it's almost like background. And then they fight, and it's like a montage. Like, Apollodorus, he's the one who, like, gets in the fight at the dock, and he just pushes all the Romans around. Yeah, that's Apollodorus, right? Okay. And he's also the guy who, when they're on the on the tower on the lighthouse tower, he's like, "Okay, I can jump into the water." They're like, "All we have to do," he's like, "All we have to do is strip down to our skivvies." No, you don't even have to do that part. He's like, "No, we've got to strip down to our skivvies <laughs> and then jump into water." <laughs> and then he does right. Yeah, he's he's in his own movie too, which is another fun movie. But you just have to take off your metal dress. I think that's the most <laughs> important thing. When jumping in the water, metal dress. That's true. Yeah, but he was never wearing that. He was wearing like a really sweet like robe, like so, a tunic thing. Yeah. yeah. But no, I liked the fight at the end. I liked the way that they did it, like not as a big set piece, but as a bunch of montages. Um, I thought I don't, you know, was it because they ran out of money for the you know they spent the million dollars? I don't know, but I thought it was a cool way to do the fight. 
it, it might be that. I think, you know, they realized that they budgeted themselves for a big thing. And they like, I think we have to throw a fight in because we didn't realize when we looked at this script that there like is no fighting, that it's a very small, <laughs> sc- it's like a very small scale play. Like it's, it's crazy yeah. to me when you like, when there's so much dialogue in this, there are like long scenes where, I mean, they should have realized when they opened the first five pages up and it's, you know, it's 10 minutes of just, Cleopatra and Caesar just talking and kind of dancing around each other, doing that thing in plays where they talk forever without introducing themselves. And you kind of, you kind of get like a little bit antsy. Like, I, are they going to talk forever? Are they going to just do this meet cute thing forever? And the, just like when the movie opens that way, I mean, if, if I were a movie producer, I'd be like, okay, you know, we can cut the budget. This is not what we thought it was. We can, we get the costumes, but we don't need the battles and we'll be fine. We but can have it like, in. the Sphinx is way in the background. A small Sphinx is seen in the background. We don't need to build a whole Sphinx set just for this scene. Right, right. <laughs> a matte painting of a Sphinx is here. <laughs> and cut a hole in the matte painting for her to crawl out of. <laughs> to pretend to pretend she's nothing spots. Yeah. They do it with the night sky. It, the stars are just like a bunch of holes punched in the a matte painting, right? With light yeah. from behind. Yeah. Yeah. That and it it's got that like deep blue twilight thing where it's like this is really phony and studio-y, but kind of cool looking. Yeah. Actually I almost picked that for FX, the the the, hmm. the Sphinx stars. I, I I mean I enjoy stuff like that like that kind of look of stuff. But yeah, I just, it's, I just feel like the script is so low budget and the movie was a monumental, like big giant tent pole disaster. <laughs> it, was, it was something else. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't like the way they talked and I didn't like the acting. Uh, I had a hard time with what they were saying and I'm glad Claude Rains had a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this movie, this movie made Vivian Leigh famous. I, she was unknown before this. She was, she was, she was an ingenue. Yeah. Was was she, is is she a manic? Is this like um? Is she a manic pixie dream girl in this? For the first half of the movie, at least. Yeah, yeah. I think she does. She does have that vibe. A lot of that vibe. Yeah, I'm glad you but said that. I mean, many movies of the 30s and 40s. I, I, I mean, obviously it's a much later trope, but it's a, it's weird for the time, right? So I would mm. point out, I would point to the movie um, Bringing Up Baby, where Catherine Hepburn definitely plays a manic pixie that's dream true. girl. Yeah. Who's that? I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I, I definitely put that in my notes, and you didn't read my notes, so, you know. We both got there. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, yeah, she's she's got makeup like Zoe Deschanel in this movie. So why haven't we watched Bringing Up Baby? That's a lovely movie. Uh, I don't know. Animal uh, yeah. Attack movies. Animal, animal attack, attack movies. Yeah, that's attack Animal Attack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's coming up. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Anybody? Everybody good with Caesar and Cleopatra? It's yeah. It's I have no. So questions. interesting. I think we can revisit it if needed, but I'm good for now. You want to start over? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it a lot of awards. Okay. So. Okay. So the next movie is Notorious. Um, Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. I I had never seen this movie before, so it was really? fascinating. Nor was had I. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Neither of you no. had seen this? No. It's wow. um. I, mean, I feel like I knew so much about it, right? But I had never actually seen it. I was, yeah, I was heard not a single Duran Duran song. In heard the, a lot. In the whole <laughs> wasn't there. 
Yeah. Mm. By the way, I'm going to sum this up. I'm, I'm going to do something different that I haven't done before. And I actually wrote down my summary. So Good. I'll just see if I can do this. And as I started writing it, like turned into, lo- I'm like, oh, I'll write it down so it'll be short. But it turned out kind of long as I was writing it down. And I was actually writing with a pen. I didn't think it would be that long. But okay. So anyway, Notorious. Ingrid Bergman is having a party because her dad is out of the house because he's been <laughs> arrested for, for being what? a communist or a Nazi. No, not it's a, a Nazi. He's not a Nazi. <laughs> okay. I'm crossing out communist. I'm putting that it. If they'd done the movie two years later, he would have been, but yeah. they right, didn't right. Think, so. kind of interesting. Actually, I'll mention this now. Did you guys see Oppenheimer? I did. No, not yet. Okay. This, this has the same plot as Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, she picks up Cary Grant at the party that she's having and attempts to literally drive him insane or perhaps go back in time by driving him 88 miles an hour. Uh, but <laughs> he explains to the cop that pulls them over that he is immune to speed. <laughs> Turns out he's the American James Bond and by American, he is a spy that outsources all the dirty work. Uh, so he hires her um, Ingrid Bergman to go to Rio where they wait for her spy assignment. And they're both movie stars in appearance. So they fall in love. Yeah. Have you been to Rio? I've never been to Rio. Never it been to South America. Much more beautiful in this movie than yeah. I think maybe a dozen real life. It, it's a very, I mean, it's a very beautiful city. It's got its rougher parts, but also, you know, it's famous for very beautiful people, but still, right. I think that it's still the case. I'd to do the cafes. They're like, oh, we are the two most attractive people here. Right. By a mile. We better fall in love. I, I was I actually was gonna write that into my summary that they're they're the most attractive people around, but then I'm like, ah, Rio's supposed to have some really pretty people in it. Yeah. Oh, so I had to say movie star like in appearance, yeah. Yeah. So but I think Cary Grant, like I think he was born with the hair exactly that way. And it just has never <laughs> been changed or nothing has, has done anything to it uh, since then. I didn't know that was his hair. I thought he put on his acting helmet. His acting helmet. <laughs> Speaking, I mean, if you, if you have a thing for Isabella Rossellini, as I do, mm-hmm. and you're like, I just wish she was blonde. Turns out there's an actress for you, and her name is Ingrid Bergman. I love Ingrid yeah. Bergman. She's, oh, gosh. No, she's the best. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen the Spencer Tracy, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? No. Where she no. plays like the prostitute that Dr. Jekyll like kidnaps and keeps in his house. Anyway, she's really good in that. And I think she's been in some other movies like a uh, Queso or something or another. Yeah, yeah. Queso. Blanco Queso. Blanco yeah. Queso, yeah. Mm. <laughs> White cheese. Mm. Okay. Uh, he thinks, Cary Grant thinks that they're going to assign her to be like some kind of safe cracker or maybe like a submarine pilot or something. <laughs> What exactly was he thinking was going to happen? I don't know. Exactly what was going to happen? He knew why they recruited her, right? Because they recruited her because she's a floozy, right? Yeah. And then he gets so pissed, notorious, if you will. She's yeah. notorious at being notoriously floozy. So this is what bothers me the most about this movie. He gets mm-hmm. so upset that she does what he hired her to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway. Cary Grant in this movie, especially. Yeah, I I don't know if it's just dumbness or aloofness it's irritating yeah like he's he's kind of his his lack of and also i kind of have a thing against cary grant i'm the only person i know who has a thing against cary grant so this is not my favorite cary grant movie and i kind of feel like 
I, I'm not sure there's enormous chemistry here. Am I the only one no. that thinks that? I because I think that she's on fire and he's just also there. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Yeah, Here's the thing about comes from. See, I'm, I'm go ahead. Yeah. Well, Car- well, Cary Grant. He looks like he's chiseled out of granite, right? Yeah. And he acts like he's chiseled out of granite. Well, but like he's, he's a really- stone. He's not. He, he. I think he's a very selfish actor. He every every time he acts, everything he's in, I feel like he's acting for himself, and he's not reacting and participating with the with his co-star. I agree with that for Philadelphia Story as well. But all, mm-hmm. but so I will say that I think he's really good in Affair to Remember. I think he has really great chemistry with his co-star, and I why I, I can't think of the name of the actress in that movie. But I think there's really good chemistry in that film. But in this one, it's just like he it's like he wishes he wasn't in the film. I don't know. It's yeah. anyway. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with you guys more here. That's interesting. Because yeah. I, I think it's his illusions that makes it work, right? Because it's like, I think, because like, he says very early on, right? She's like, I don't know. I don't think, are you even really in love with me? And he goes, well, are you, you're just using me, right? Which is what we're, we're kind of thinking, right? Which is what you guys are saying. Like, his job is to, is to be a handsome person to recruit beautiful right. women, right? She's like, you're just using me. And, he's, and, and you don't really love me. And he goes, I'll tell you when I stop loving you, right? Which, of course, is not the same as saying I love mm-hmm. you. And throughout the whole movie, it's like, does he really love her or not? And then it's like only at the last 15 minutes does 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 he break character, right? And that's what makes it so effective because she has to think that she, she can't know whether or not he really loves her. And we can't because otherwise she won't do the things that she does. So you're mm-hmm. saying – So I thought they use his aloofness to really good effect. So – it's to keep her at bay. So you're saying his acting is akin to Adam Driver in the Star Wars sequels where he's an awful actor until the final 10 minutes of the worst of the three movies where he's like almost. <laughs> but I, also think, I also think that Adam Driver is great throughout all those movies for the same reason. Yes. So, yeah. Like yeah, it's, they're, they're not, they're bad. If, if what you want is an, is somebody who's emoting and connecting mm-hmm. and that's not what he's like, he's using his connection with her. Um, he's using it, right? And it's like, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. And it's only once he like says, "I'm going to stop using it in this way. I'm going to stop being ironic and distant." <laughs> Which the movie says. I mean, the, you know, the first shot of him, right, is him from behind. But because he's already kind of famous by this point, of course, everybody, literally everybody in the world, as soon as you see the silhouette, is like, "Oh, right, it's Carrie right. Grant's right? hair." Yeah. So from the beginning, he's, yeah, he's from. The, he's like driving the car with her letting her drive like he's sober and he's letting her drive a car very fast and very drunk. Right. He's not an and actor. He gives her, uh, that's what makes he gives her a midriff bandana. But, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> like the bad guy in the he net gives, gives Sandra Bullock. Did you guys ever see that? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw no. that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, they, he's, they stole this from the movie, the net, which I thought was a weird move in the net. Gave her a midriff bandana. But okay, the thing, Ammon, you're making a very good case for Cary Grant in this movie specifically. I still maintain that in order for this whole plan to work, where he gets her to fall in love with him so that she will do what he says, and so that she's troubled enough so so she commits to it by not knowing what he feels, I still feel like he needed the same kind of similar fire that she had in the initial stages of the relationship for her to get into that kind of relationship. Well, but also Uh, like, it's so weird that they spend like, I don't know how long they're in Rio before she gets her assignment five years. I don't know. But (laughs) so, so he knows that he's her handler, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I, I mean, okay, I don't know. I'm, I've never been a James Bond spy, but I assume you're not supposed to fall in love with your, whatever your asset. 
Yeah, I think it's rule number yeah. two. Whatever. Never so I am an, I can I can buy your theory, and I think he is very good at the end, and may and so I I guess I can I can buy into that. That's fine. He's he's yeah. okay. I've always had this kind of thing where I um, it, it's not. I I understand why people like Cary Grant, but he's always just left me feeling unwarm. You know, I'm not brought into the movies by by Cary yeah, Grant, why, and that's just a weird personal thing for me. Why won't he tell Mama what's wrong? Yeah, that, that's what, that's one of my favorite lines when she says, "You better tell Mama what's wrong." So anyway. <laughs> okay, okay. So anyway, the thing is, here's what's happening in the movie. Uh, her assignment is not submarine pilot, but it's actually to seduce an old Nazi nerd that she used to know. <laughs> and friend of the father. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and and that's Alex Sebastian is the Nazi's name. That's Claude Rains, the Claude Rains that we're that we're you know getting around to. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so uh, let's see. And now I have to flip over to page two of my summary. Here we go. Um, the game is afoot. Cary Grant uh, has her ride her horse near. Uh, near him and then she sends the and then sends the horse galloping uh fortunately alex sebastian is one of those kind nazis that stop strangers horses because he did not recognize her before the horse took off i don't think um anyway so uh they have this little meat cute with the horsies and she's invited to his brazilian nazi manor where uh a lot of other nazis are hanging out um, and in kind of a weird scene, one of the Nazi guests sees a wine bottle and he's like, Oh no. And he knows that that means that they're going to kill him because he did something wrong. I guess. I don't know what his story is. Um, but rather than making a scene, he just kind of politely leaves with, uh, his assassins. Um, and <laughs> I, I assume they make him drink what's in the wine bottle is what they're going to go do. That's yes. what I'm my my first thought before I knew it was in the wine bottle was like, oh, he got upset. He's like, do you remember when we did all those killings at that villa? And they're like, you're not supposed to bring that up. Right. He's like, we did all those murders, and he's like, they're like, no, that's we can't talk about. He was that just anymore. talking too much Nazi yeah. stuff, is what he did to the wine. He was telling the wine their Nazi secrets. <laughs> he was reminiscing. Yeah. Listen, you but, listen but here, wine. We know it's in the wine. Isn't he right to be concerned that yeah, it's up they've there? they've got like nuclear material wine bottle in the dining room with them. <laughs> right, right. I kind of didn't, I because I mean, at this point in the movie, having seen it the first time, you see him look at the wine, and then you see him freak out, and then you kind of assume they're going to kill him, but you, like, I didn't know why. I didn't know what, like, what does wine have to do with anything? It only comes way later in the movie when you yeah. find out, you know, they're smuggling stuff in the wine bottles, and... Um, yeah, so I mean that was kind of a confusing thing, and I still don't quite know. I'll have to I'll have to watch with, this movie with, again. With his terror at seeing the wine bottle, I also assume that a couple months after this movie ends, that Cary Grant and um, Ingrid Bergman both die from radiation poisoning. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's happening. Okay. This is red wine yeah. bottles. If you're listening now, just know that there is uranium in some of these wine bottles. Not not to which is so this is a great as I mentioned before, this is a great companion piece to watching Oppenheimer because, you know, the whole point of Oppenheimer, well not the whole point of it. There are many points to Oppenheimer and it's a very long movie, but you know, they talk about you know, beating the Germans to the whole uranium deal and all that. Weirdly, when this, I was reading about this, so this comes out in 46, yeah. right? So by the point, the bomb has already been dropped. I think it's mostly filmed in 45, but a lot of the planning was done before the bomb was dropped. And at that point, apparently not everybody, like people knew that uranium was a thing, but 
it was like very, a lot of people didn't know what it was for. Yeah. And apparently like Alfred Hitchcock got, started to get followed by the FBI. Cause he was like going to interview professors. Cause he's like trying to work it out for the movie. And so he started to get followed by the FBI. Well, yeah, that's nailed it though, because kind of uranium fun. does look like a, a black sand beach sand. So I guess yes. coffee grounds. <laughs> I don't know like right. what comes out. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know. It might just, it's that's dirty uranium. It's interesting that Alfred Hitchcock, uh, you know, based on his true life experience of being tailed by the FBI, eventually made his own life story in North by Northwest a few years later. So, uh, okay. So anyway, Alicia is Ingrid Bergman's name and she occasionally meets with Cary Grant and lets him know that she loves him. And also, you know, do you love me? Hello? Hi. And that Claude Rains is now like on her list of playmates, as she says, which I like that term. Uh, and also Claude Rains is not just a playmate. He actually wants to marry her. And so what should she do? And Cary Grant is like, well, just follow your heart, I guess. Then uh, a bunch of time happens when she's totally sleeping with Nazis and taking names. And uh, she steals the wine cellar key that she thinks stuff is going on so that Cary Grant can check it out, out the wine cellar. And so like he does that at a party. And for some reason they go together. I don't know why she didn't just drop the key off to him. Because it's very conspicuous that they're spending so much time together. Because Claude Rains knows that they, you know, kind of have a past, which uh, seeps into the next movie as well. It's like one of those <laughs> things. Um, okay, and uh, so they find out that they're keeping uranium in there. But Mister Butterfingers, American James Bond, he like drops the uranium <laughs> on the ground, and uh, the next day, Claude Rains is like someone. <laughs> Someone like moved this uranium around to different bottles and there's broken glass on the floor and I can't find the key and it's back on the thing. It all points to her being a spy and he's like, oh crap, this girl I love, she's a spy and the other Nazis are going to kill me, but I can't like reveal it to them. So my only choice. I hope there's somebody he can reveal it to to help him out. He reveals it to his mother. His mother, his Nazi mom. His Nazi mom. (laughs) Nazi mom says, well, in my Nazi days, we used to poison our girlfriends and wives. And so uh, that's what they do. So they poison her for five days. Years, days. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and in the meantime, Cary Grant, I guess he's just waiting at the bench like during all those five days. And he's like freaks out. So finally he goes and he sneaks. Oh, no, she shows up. And he's like, are you drunk again? She's like, yes, I'm drunk again. But he's like, uh, yeah, he figures out that she just looks really ill, not drunk. Well, that was the first thing. But day. also, he's, he's going to go to Spain, yeah. right? Because he's so heartbroken that she's, you know. That she did her freaking that job, that she did exactly right. what right. he told yeah. her to do. So I will say, there's a scene. There's a scene where it shows Claude Rain talking to Cary Grant, and they're like facing each other. And I think Cary Grant is two feet taller than Claude Rains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ingrid Bergman is taller than him too, and apparently they use like elevator wow. shoes and stuff. Claude Rains. It sounds yeah. like from what I read, I didn't read ten. how like yeah, I didn't read how tall he was, but everything I read indicates that he's below five feet tall. <laughs> I don't think he's below five feet tall, but he's pretty short. He's he's a he's a shorty. He's a shorty. Everyone now I must the, know. Yeah. Okay. But but yeah, they they have to yeah. No, check that out. I'm curious. Um but yeah, everyone in the movie is taller than he is. Uh but no, she's really sick. He's but actually she doesn't... five foot seven. So Ingrid Bergman is a towering five foot nine. Very is tall. she tall? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Claude Rains is John nearby height, so whatever. <laughs> I was just making fun of him really bad, and it turns out he's like kind of around my height, uh, but uh, okay, no, but he, the thing is she shows up 
drunk, but she thinks she's drunk, but she kind of doesn't realize something's wrong until she's like kind of trapped in the house and he has to kind of go in and get her. Um, Do you, oh, you got to say how she figures out she's being poisoned. Oh, she figures out she's oh, being, I, oh, yeah, I actually can't. left this out of the thing, but uh, like they have guests over. I can't remember who's over, but like the person almost drinks her coffee and the mom and not the mom's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, very important it's, the Nazi, yeah. it's like, it's like the one Nazi scientist. Like it's like the, that's the guy that they need to actually make the uranium. Uh, Molotov cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Whatever they're going to do with like just uranium sand. I don't know, but. <laughs> After His the war. name is that was Doctor Oppenschmidt, I believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So they're like, "Well, you can't drink this wine." Here you go, my dear. And she's like, "Oh, wait a second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, they he takes her to the hospital. You know, to not make a scene. And Claude Rains is in a pickle because he can't like admit that he's poisoning his wife, and he can't admit that she's a spy because you know he'll get in trouble with the Nazis. Uh, but Cary Grant is like, "No room in the cab for you." Nazi. Yeah. Then he drives off. He's like, ah, but you can't leave me with the other Nazis. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) Just embarrassing. Can you please come inside? The ending is so good. (laughs) We're going to drive you up the hill to Metropolis. He's like walking towards the door. And I think the door closes behind him and you know exactly what's coming. And I admit. He has to drink uranium right from the bottle. He's got to drink uranium. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to think of. I mean, because it's a thriller with no action. Yeah, action. but ending is one of the best. I mean, it's a famous for being such an amazing, like satisfying ending, right? Even though they're very slowly walking down yeah. the stairs. As I was watching this film and I've seen it before, but it's been a while, but as I was watching it, I was like, there's really not a lot of action in this film and there's not an enormous amount of plot either. Like the plot's really, really simple. And that was kind of frustrating me a little bit, but I think they've like, they've chosen this really narrow focus on this film and they just do it really well. And I think it's, um, like you said, there's not like a lot of hot action, but the ending, uh, it's not like super intense, but it's, it's, it's meaningful. And then his walk back to, into the house is, is pretty darn good. And maybe the best Nazi mom I've seen in a movie in a long time. She's, she's yeah. solid. So apparently she was a, re- I mean, it's really, I mean, a lot, if you look at the, I was like doing research, a lot of the actors and this is like this funny thing, right? a lot of German actors in Hollywood at this time are refugees, oh. right? For political reasons, for ethnic reasons, um, unsurprisingly, right? But what do they get cast to play over and over again? Nazis. The Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the, you know, the, the guy who plays the doctor is a German-Jewish actor who's now playing the evil Nazi doctor. This woman was like politically involved in Austria and she's an older actress and this was like her one role in Hollywood before she retires, but they all just play Nazis. <laughs> I wonder kind of, if kind of is it, do you think that's like traumatizing or therapeutic? Like I wonder, I would hope know. it's therapeutic, right? Yeah. They're like, um, she's like, I'm going to be the most evil version of this person I can be. And she does a great job. Yeah, no, she's fun. I guess uh, she beat out the uh, Manchurian candidate mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also the actress, six years older than her son, Claude Rains. Oh, yeah. no, no, not true. <laughs> Yes, it is, isn't it? It is. Hang on, I wrote this down. Oh, I might have miscalculated uh, it. Paul. Oh wait, no, no. Where does it say? Alex Sebastian um, Claude Rains was born in 1889, and the mom. Oh, I didn't write her name down, but she was born in 1886. So it's oh, so three, 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 three years. to four years. Yeah. 
you know, Emily, I was watching with my wife, and, and our first thought was, oh, he's already got a wife, and now it's going to be weird. But oh, no, that's his mother, right? No. no so, yeah. like, as soon as she came on the scene, and I and I knew, the, like, okay, this is his mother. So, I, it's in my notes. I put, that lady is not old enough to be Claude's mother. There's just no way. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, wow. Because he's, he's friends with her father. Like, it's not like he's supposed to be playing younger. Like, he's supposed to be, like, a middle-aged man, yeah. which is what he's playing. Yeah. He's got a hot Nazi mom. <laughs> Yeah, well, she, you know, she, she did her part for the cause. I also loved, I mean, the scene, this, like, yes, it's true that uh, Alicia Ingrid Bergman doesn't need to go into the, ba- the basement, but that scene is just so good. And the way that they have Claude Rains, so Claude Rains comes down and he's like, there's only one thing I can do now. That's make out with you, right? Because <laughs> now he'll just think that we're down here fooling around instead of spying on his Nazi sand. <laughs> just a solid scene, right? Because right. again, it's like, does he really love her? She really loves him and she's very clear about it, right? Yeah. But it's like, does he really love her or is he just, um, it's both the thing that he wants to do, but also the excuse that he needs, right? Just such a solid scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's great. I didn't, I, I, yeah, I took that out where like they have to go to the cellar together, but that's the chance that they have to do the really like movie kiss where it's like, okay, kiss me. It's like that thing where it's like, you know, the someone's walking down the alley and it's like, okay, let's distract them by kissing and they won't recognize us. But the whole point is that Cary Grant has to kiss her so that Claude Rains recognizes and he thinks it's just a marital affair rather than the safety of the world from uranium. <laughs> <laughs> also, so the, 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 the kiss on the balcony earlier when they first decide that they're in love with each other. And like we're also like she has talks all about how she's gonna make him a cold chicken. Oh yeah, like a cold chicken, a rotisserie chicken. That's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, so they can just stay in and eat. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, beautiful scene, right? Yeah. Apparently, that's it's like a two and a half minute kiss that's broken up every three seconds so that it can get past the sensors. It's apparently very oh. famous for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did read about that. I I didn't recall it being like that crazy passionate but like in hindsight it's like i think because alfred hitchcock kind of wanted to do this thing where it's just like okay we're gonna focus on the kiss by having all these other things happening and then getting back to the kiss like the this kiss is so important that many other things will happen in the middle of it and so they have to do it in parts you know the censors are right though because if seminary taught me anything it's the rule of threes which is three (laughs) kisses in a row or a kiss that lasts three seconds that's lust not love so Thank you, censors, for keeping us safe. I didn't learn any of that stuff. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know they, they gave you math with your lessons. <laughs> I was not informed there would be numbers here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, that's notorious. I don't have uh, – let me look for any question mark icons just to make sure I didn't – yeah, I, I put question marks next to the wine parts because I'm like, what's going on with the wine? But then the movie answered it. Yeah. I have enormous questions – for deception, but otherwise I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> okay. Fair. Let's, do you want to do deception? I thought deception yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So deception is an interesting one too. Okay. So there's an actor named Claude Rains. He's going to be part of a love triangle. <laughs> oh, what? And <laughs> in terms of the jealousy scale of love triangles, if Caesar's not at all jealous of the future love triangle. Yeah. And Nazi guy is pretty jealous our friend in this one, also named Alex, right? Right. Alex Trelanius yeah. is like a 25. He goes to 11 on his jealousy. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, so yeah, so he, so the movie opens with, uh, Betty Davis, who, her name is, I'm blanking on her name in this one. Christine. Christine. Yes. That's her stage Christine name Radley. later, right? right. Yeah. 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 Christine, which is an obvious stage name, right? Uh-huh. Literally no one has ever actually been named Christine Radcliffe. <laughs> but, uh, so she is very excitedly going to hear somebody play. I believe I checked it was Haydn, but it's beautiful concerto, right? Yeah. Yes. And who is it? It's it's uh, Paul Henreid. Yes. A refugee in this movie going under the name of uh, Carol is his last name. Again, I'm blaming his first name because they mostly call him Carol. No, Carol's his, his first Carol's name. Carol's his first name. name. Novak is his last yeah. name. Yeah, Carol Novak, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this hot new cellist who's just come from Europe where he's apparently somehow been stranded. I, I read in the credits or in the, the, the background that he's supposed to have been trapped in Sweden, which during the war was a neutral country. But it really seemed like he was like a prisoner of war or in a concentration camp. Yeah, because given the fact that she thought he was dead and that there was no way they could get like contact she with each other. It's a backstory. Like, I saw them kill you. Like, yeah. something. I, happened. Yeah. They yeah. didn't explain that and, at all. I would love to have heard the story yeah. about how she thought he had been killed and she saw it. And he's got like PTSD. Like, he's a traumatized dude. Yeah. Yeah, she's um, also jealous. She kind of picks some winner jealous guys. <laughs> she is not good at picking men. She's just, yeah. it's bad. No, yeah. really, so, but she's, but why is she so excited to see this guy playing cello and he's doing great and everybody's excited. Well, it turns out, yeah, like we were saying that they were, they were lovers, maybe engaged. It's unclear, but they were lovers in Europe. And then she had come back right before war broke out. And during the war, she thought he had died and, oh, but he hasn't. Right. So another nice post-war noir one, just like um, Notorious. So she's like, okay, let's go back to my starving artist apartment. And at first, like, I was like, okay, I don't know. I know, don't know New York back then. It looks like a nice part of town. And then, like, it's like, oh, no, when you get up there, it's like a very <laughs> – I was like, this looks like the apartment from Rope. Uh, movie Uh also famously not a dive apartment right she's got a very nice apartment there's like a grand canyon a grand grand canyon a grand piano in the cavernous living room there's furs in her closet she has like like ceiling to floor uh glass yeah which must be awful in the summer but gorgeous views (laughs) it's a bear to heat but i don't think she's worrying about the money right so he's like and because the first thing he said was like i'm glad to see there's no ring on your finger and she's like, I expressly took it off to come to this performance. <laughs> I mean, not really, but basically, right? So then they, he like gets jealous. Like she, she, she's like, there's something. He's like, there's something up here. And like, how, rat, and how like, jealous does he get? He's been dead for five years, right? Yeah. But nonetheless, he gets jealous so enough jealous. to like attack her, to like strangle her. Yes, so jealous he strangles her. Yes, and she shakes it off. Like, I'm sorry. That, that was my intro to the podcast, everybody. Just a uh, reference to that. Just so everybody's on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, she tells him, she's like, well, the reason I have all this money is because I give piano lessons now. Which is, <laughs> again, like, I'm like, how much are these people paying you to give piano lessons, right? But it turns out that's not really why, right? We've already been introduced to this composer, they're ever asking, like, who's your favorite composer? And he's like, oh, I love Stravinsky, who's a real-life composer. Oh, I really love Schoenberg, who's a real-life composer. I also love Hellenius. Well, who the hell is Hellenius? He's not a composer. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's our favorite five foot seven, strangely compelling, not handsome, kind of old, but deeply sexual, apparently, buddy, yeah. Claude Rains. Uh, and he's out, yeah, he's Alex Hellenius, and he's been in LA. 
for a while. And so now he's phoning his, his student, let's say Betty Davis. And she's like, Oh, Hey, guess what? I'm getting married. And it turns out he doesn't take that news so well. No. Right. So now we've got our love triangle set up now, rather than just telling <sighs> Carol, like, Hey, I thought you were dead. I know. This is the biggest <laughs> plot hole in this movie because it's it, because it's not like, hey, while I've been waiting for you to come home, I was having an affair. That's not what happened. It's while you were dead, I met yeah. someone. Yeah. Like, why can't she say that? Because that drives this entire plot that she that she couldn't simply tell him, I met someone while you were dead. Yeah. And so anyway. it's like and even if like because it's like, okay, so yeah, and obviously he's the person who is has given her this amazing life, right? Because oh, he's an extremely wealthy, yeah. right? He's extremely wealthy. And 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 she, it's unclear if they're like openly dating or he's just like, it's like a known secret that she's a kept woman or whatever. But like, yeah. you know, it's, but the point is, right, is like, and it's not like, oh, well, she wants to keep this amazing life. She's very clear that she'll leave it all behind. But nonetheless, she can't tell him. Yeah. Yeah, she can't tell him. Here's why. Because the the hint is that, you know, she he strangled her for having some furs, right? And also... Like, I think she has a line where she says, I was always afraid of your temper. So I've always been frightened by your jealousies. She tells him that. So even though it's perfectly legit for her to have had a boyfriend while he was dead, uh, I think that she fears for her life if she lets him know that she saw that's someone. That's a bit else. of a red flag, though. What's not that? that? Not that. That's a bit of a red flag, though, arguably. It's a right? serious red flag. She never should have married this guy. <laughs> <laughs> not, to be clear, Claude Rains also some red flags. Still not there. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of these three people murders someone, though. So keep go ahead, John. Like, well, the thing is, it's really obvious that okay, it's really obvious that she had a relationship with Claude Rains. Like everybody knows it. Everybody talks about it, and Claude Rains pretty much openly Rains admits it. it. Yeah. Like he says it out loud in front. So it, I don't, I don't really see like the, that's the weird thing is that it's not just that. That uh, you know, Henry Paul Henry has like a temper. It's it, it's that the movie kind of assumes that he doesn't know, but how could he not know? Because you know, everyone talks about yeah, it. Like, at the like, wedding, oh, yeah, when, at at their wedding, when Claude says, you know, you'll come back to me, you'll start remembering those nights we had, or what? And it's like, oh, okay, so you're just like coming right out and saying <laughs> we used to vacation and have sex. <laughs> so, then she, looks at, she looks at him and, and she looks at her husband and she's like. He means when we were like working on music together. <laughs> like who, who falls for that? <laughs> oh yeah, music. There's there's taking advantage of his PTSD. Really made made some music. But no, I thought for sure. I thought for sure since that was so obvious, I was kind of writing down. I'm like, what is it really? Because there must be oh. some other horrible secret that mu- that she can't tell that we don't know. Because, you know, what apparently it is, it's too obvious for it, for something else not to exist, right? And so I was assuming that there was like a child or something. Like he was trying to leave her family or something and she couldn't let him know that. But that might be just a little too extreme for 1946, I guess. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. In 1946, the expectation is you will wait for the person that you think is dead. Think is dead, yeah. (laughs) You will, you will wait until Claude Rain says you can get married. Every, that's actually in everybody's marriage clause in the United States. <laughs> marriage Claude. Claude. Yeah. That's where the phrase Rain's check comes from, actually. Yeah. <laughs> if, did you write these down ahead of time, Ammon? And- no, sorry. That was my worst dad joke ever. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, 
Yeah, so Rain shows up at the wedding and he's like, oh, I see you're drinking the champagne that I bought you. And she's like, oh, he buys people expensive champagne, right? But finally, he gets so jealous that he just smashes, he hulks a, a champagne glass. And then she's like, oh, hey, let's cut the cake. And everyone's like, no, I think we're going to go home now, which was a fun, fun moment, too. It was a great So wedding. the next thing she throws up at is extreme. Like, if her house is nice, his house is like, would be like literally $20 million now, right? It's just like it's incredible. on Park Avenue, beautiful mansion, right? And his butler, like it was Jimmy, I think is his name, yeah. uh, lets her in. And she's like, yeah, he's like, oh, he's up in like the third drawing room or whatever, right? And she's like, please just leave us alone. And, you know, clearly he's not going to, right? So he finds out that this, that Carol's an amazing cellist. And remember, he's like the most famous composer in America. So what does he do? He calls up Carol and is like, hey, I'm going to commission you to, to be the, the soloist in my new piece. Because what could possibly go wrong with that, right? So he's all excited. Now Carol's like, okay, maybe I misjudged this guy. Maybe he, maybe he just wants what's best for us. But uh, Christine is like, oh, no, he's going to just mess with us. And sure enough, it's it's like somewhere in between these two things, right? Which is what yeah. makes them most deadly. He's like a complete, they, he's like, okay, so work on playing on your own. And then you're going to come to the most creepy guess who's coming to dinner, dinner <laughs> with me. Where I just like browbeat you with by food. like. Who terrorizes him with a menu? Yeah, <laughs> but there's not even a menu. It's like apparently he can just tell the cook whatever. He's like, make us this very detailed pheasant. No, don't make us that. Make us this other dish. Like he can just go in there and demand whatever. And he's just clearly trying to get this guy's head. The guy can't play well. He's icing him out. Can you make the pheasant drink an entire bottle of this wine and yeah. then <laughs> and give it a massage, it. kill it, kill it, <laughs> then feed it to that patron. Then we'll eat that patron. Yeah. Are there any Romans here? I hear they like to eat Egyptians. Yeah. <laughs> but if I could use a sports thing, it, I feel like um, Claude, Claude Rains is using all his timeouts to make the, the kicker screw up the last field goal. Right. Yeah, That's what's happening. Yeah. And it works, right? At least in the, in the short run. Like, he can't do the performance. And and Christine's like, oh, thank goodness. Now we're just not going to do it. But Carol's like, no, no, I'm still going to do it. Yes, we're arguing. We're both temperamental artists. It's fine. And so, you know, there's a back and forth. Like, there's a rehe- there's a dress rehearsal. And, and you know, Christine finds out that the first cellist, Bertram Gribble, which I love him, <laughs> is maybe being groomed to play the role in, if Carol drops out. So she tries to bribe him and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right? And again, he clearly knows she's like, you know, Carol doesn't know about me and Alex, which means, of course, that Bertram does. Right. But he's like, I'm not going to do that. So they're going back and forth. Sure enough, at the dress rehearsal, there's a big blow up. She's like, oh, man, you're ruining my husband's career and being so mean. Please stop doing this to him. And Lainey's like, no, no, I'm totally he's going to play it tonight and he's going to do great. And she's like, but I thought you were doing this to get revenge on me. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get revenge on you in that kind of simple of a way. He's like, no, I'm going to get you a revenge on you in a much more subtle way. I'll use something that he truly loves. Uh, gee, I wonder what that could be, right? Hmm. And uh, maybe I'll tell him, maybe we'll all be celebrating after his big victory and I'll tell him then. And she's like, oh, no, that's what he's going to do. So she goes to his house one last time, right? He's about ready to go to conduct this thing. Her husband is already there. And she's like, please don't do it. He's like, I'll do whatever the hell I want. I, I censored myself for you, job, you guys there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, so I did not see what happens next coming. I should have realized this is a 1946 melodrama. Yeah. 
she pulls out a gun and he's like, oh, you're not going to shoot me. And she's like, no, I totally am going to shoot. And so she does. She just shoots him right there. On I the love how, yeah. giant she shoots him. And then he, like after she shoots him, she's like, oh, you stupid. Oh, I'm so annoyed with <laughs> you right now. <laughs> so she's the worst yeah. murderer ever, though, because the the butler saw her come in. And when the butler left, she was still in the house. And then when she gets to the play, the first thing she tells someone was, oh, I was just hanging out with what's his head. I'm sure he'll be here soon. I was yeah. just there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But that's a question, though. She's kind of. Uh, you know, after, you know, everything seems to go OK. I mean, she kind of gets away with it, but I kind of got the impression that she was going around blabbing about it because she was consigned to turning herself in or getting caught yeah well and then here's the part so by the way that that murder scene is it it's they staged it so beautifully it's just incredible but so after she confesses to her husband right like hey uh i sort of murdered him because he was going to tell you that he and i used to kind of be a thing which she's now telling him and i guess maybe because she's consigned to her fate but he's like what are you talking about me and him are now best friends or something right like yeah. Like so, he kind of yeah, makes it go around the world and do this. Yeah, he makes it sound like oh, he you know like it. Base it makes it feel to me as though, I, and this is a question I have: Was Helenius not going to ruin Christine and his life because Carol makes it sound like that never would have happened? That things were just fine. That they're both musicians and they're both crazy, but everything's fine. And so she's like, so "Why did I kill him?" Like, it's possible that, yeah, he's like, look, I'm just messing with you now as my last revenge. Yeah. But we're all serious artists, and that's what's really the most important to us. Mm. But it's also possible. I think that we're supposed to think that then that Christine is like, no, this is his ultimate revenge. Yeah. He knew I would do this, right? Because, yeah, then she does confess everything. And also, so here's my question about the very end with that, right? So she confesses everything. She's like, and then, because I love how, because it's like at first she's like, oh, no, he was really jealous. We should just leave and never talk to him again. And he's like, no, we should go talk to him right now. And she's like, oh, crap. Now I got to tell you something, uh, right? That's going to be hard. <laughs> did have an affair with him and I shot him. And he's like, well, does anybody? And, you know, she's like, I have to show myself. And he's like, well, does anybody else know? So this is where she said, well, the butler and then the guy yeah. in the foyer. But, but butlers get blamed for 90 percent of murders anyway. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's the most likely. Like, and he's Chinese. Guy, no one's gonna just got married and is trying to cover up this affair that everybody knows she was having. Or is it the butler? Obviously, it's the butler. Yeah, the foreign <laughs> butler, the Chinese butler. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like, I mean, would she get away with it? It doesn't seem like it to me, but maybe. Uh, right. And is Carol like suddenly strangely okay with like, okay, we're just going to like pretend like you never said this. And now, you know, or is she going to turn herself in now that now that Carol is worried about murder? I think his jealousy for the other thing has been just kind of back. <laughs> yeah, it's back because like he strangles her, but didn't, you know, maybe he didn't really mean yeah. it, but now she's totally capable of killing him. And that's why we should have gun control, right? It's like that takes, it's like, you know, if he had had a gun, you know, that would have gone differently. Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. But like, you know, it's the impulsiveness of the, it's like, she does the thing very impulsively. Right. And she realizes it right after. Yeah. But again, it's the point is like, Helenius knows she's going to do this. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. Here's, here's a big question I have. And I think, I don't know if the movie, I don't know if I like this or hate this about the movie because it leaves it open, but also it kind of, 
it, 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 it kind of, you know, is an easy way out, but we never see Hellenius before Carol comes back. Like he's introduced as someone pissed off that, that yeah. Carol came back. And so we don't really get to see like a glimpse of, of his and Christine's relationship. Like maybe he was like a decent person. Maybe he was like normal. Maybe he appreciated art. But if, if this thing like set him off to the point where, um, you know, Betty Davis had no idea what he was capable of doing, then that would be something. But if, if he was always like this, then she's, he's very controlling. Right. Yeah. And that's clear. Right. That he's like a micro, like she's like, he'll tell every, he buys things for his friends. Cause he wants to know what you're wearing. Right. Yeah. But if, if he's like, always acts the way he does in this movie, then it's like, okay, she's been worn down and she's like, Oh, I'll never get away from this guy. But if he acts, if he acted differently, then she's like, okay, something is new. I have to make a choice now. So I guess in either case, she was like forced to murder him according to like, yeah, what? that's a good point. I mean, she has, yeah. If we think about it, like if we think about like, okay, she's worn down by, having this because yeah it's like it seems like he's always been like this right mm-hmm. so like i'm right apparently frank lloyd wright made his fan his wife and children wear brown because it matched the decor of the house that they lived in <laughs> 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 and that's the kind of sense you get of Polanius, right? right yeah prince made his girlfriend sleep in full makeup <laughs> oh i didn't know that. also true yeah. yeah so arguably yeah arguably these are kind of controlling things and so you know maybe she's already that's already in the background there. It's not just about Carol's jealousy. It's also about Helenius's ability to mess with their lives. Yeah. So she's really jazzed though, to leave Helenius for Carol, because she's going from a super controlling relationship to someone who just occasionally might choke you. Yeah. It's like minorly controlled. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Right. But yeah. Hey, by the way, I have a huge question in this film. And the question is, does Helenius sleep without pants on? Because there's a moment where he says, I'm getting out of bed now. And the camera pans away. Yes. Like, I'm not with sure why the I can't show him getting out of bed. <laughs> I had the same thought. I'm like, nude. oh. He's nude from the waist down. Yeah. But he's great because he's wearing like a button up top, yeah. right? So he's got like a smoking jacket and then nothing below the waist. <laughs> below. I wish we had gotten a shot of Claude Rains from behind, <laughs> just the buns underneath the smoking jacket. <laughs> if we did the Kevin Costner Rains, yep. then that would have definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> hey, by the way, so I'm complaining a lot about this movie and I loved it. Yeah, no, it was an excellent movie. It was really both this and Notorious are you know two of the best movies I've ever seen. They're both excellent movies. I really, I really like Deception, and I'm wondering, Roy, had you not seen this before? Because oh, you no. picked it. Yeah, right? I wanted to watch a movie I'd never seen before, and this one had a pretty decent uh, rating on IMDb. Um, but okay. also, like, I liked the plot, right? And I kind of wanted like this murder mystery thing, which is kind of what it built itself as. And there were a few other options, but I'm glad I chose this. I really dug it. Yeah, it was it was really good. And I love Betty Davis. Some people don't like Betty Davis. I love Betty Davis. I uh, I I I like this movie. I don't get the appeal. I I was kind of like. Oh, good, a young Betty Davis. But then, like, she showed up. I'm like, oh, it's old Betty Davis. <laughs> she's old. She's old. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. but she, so at the very end, when the girl's like, is this the happiest day of your life? And then the director said, do the face. And Betty Davis did the Betty Davis face. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it ended with the song, She's Got Betty Davis Eyes. It was really, I didn't know that was from this movie, right? Yeah, like they did that in this movie. Oh. And at the end of Notorious, Duran Duran is the end credits. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, 
Call back to the Duran Duran, huh? You're really forcing that down. <laughs> <aren't it? laughs> well, by the okay. way, is uh, the Duran Duran song supposed to be about this movie? I mean, not this episode. Maybe it is, actually. I should actually bring up these lyrics. Oh. Um, later. Let's see here. I loved, can I just talk about all you guys looking at that? I loved the dinner scene here so much. Oh, no, like, it was great, wasn't it? And, and poor Paul Henry just getting increasingly freaked out. Yeah. He's like, the, 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 just, the, the wedding Just dinner? get it. No, the wedding dinner was good, but the, no, the, we're going to go out to the fancy French restaurant. Where oh, of course. Of the course. wine we eat 80 times. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you have that anxiety of, I'm never getting out of this restaurant because, you know, people just want to yab to the to the service. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was very good. It really did what it needed to do well. Yeah. And also, I mean, in all three of these, even Caesar and Cleopatra, you know, this is from like just excellently shot. Yeah. But especially Deception and Notorious, right? You, you like it made me realize how much I miss black and white movies. They're just they're they're so rich with detail and just so excellently shot. It's like sometimes I didn't even want to think about the plot because they're just such great shot after shot after shot um, in both of them. Now, I, I looked this up because I was surprised because I was kind of surprised at how, because we watched Notorious and we watched Deception. I'm like, okay, Notorious, it's the Hitchcock, it's the guy. I know it's going to be the real big noir, but I was kind of more blown away, I guess I should say, by Deception. I'm like, oh, this must be a super famous movie that I've never heard of. But I, like, the director wasn't Hitchcock, you know? No. Yeah, it was, it was. I actually looked it up. What was it? Rapper, who's a, a yeah, he's not Hitchcock. I mean, he's definitely a, a you know big one of the biggest Hollywood directors, but yeah, not so. Like he directed some yeah. stuff that, but not but all. Here's stuff. what I can yeah. tell you about Deception. <laughs> yeah. Critical, like okay, so Deception. I have no Rotten Tomato score because it was reviewed by three reviewers. That's how many critic reviews we really? have for Deception. Yeah, so it has really and and uh, and uh, Owen Glaberman gave it a thumbs down. I, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so in the audience score for Deception was like seventy percent. So I didn't count that because they're wrong. But um, right. anyway, uh, Deception. It's a what a gem yeah. we found, friends. I think Irving Rapper. Yes. I thought Deception was a gem. Uh, he directed Now Voyager, Ooh. which also had Betty Davis and Claude Rains, which we almost picked. It was on so the. So I swear, the there's like ten movies in a four-year period that are Betty Davis and Paul Henry, and Claude Rains is in several of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I get it, it's almost it's it's weird. It's almost there was like a '40s quarantine. Like we're all quarantined in this <laughs> studio. Let's make thirty <laughs> movies. Funny, when I was trying to find internal recurring directors for awards, not to jump ahead. But it turns out that there, it's kind of hard to find, even though. And then I was like, "Well, it's because the movies were made so closely together. It's not like one person could be on all three movies." So I was like, "Oh, except for Claude Rains, yeah. which is literally the premise <laughs> of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a minor role in any of them. I mean, he's even yeah. though he's the third billion in Deception, he's he's the star of it. Yeah. Well, yes, I, definitely. I, I would say do, so. Yeah, I, I think Ingrid kind of. No, no, Notorious. I think Ingrid is. But oh, you Deception, meant Deception. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. All right, John. Okay, uh, let's do uh, contact info, shall we? Woo, woo. Uh, before I forget the number, everyone call 801-896-4542. 801-896-4542. You can leave us a message 
and uh, say whatever you want. Uh, we don't get enough of this, by the way. Um, you know, we know that we're missing aspects of the movie. Uh, we know that, you know, uh, that, that we forget to say things. Go ahead and let us know what we forget. You know, we'll have segments. We'll, we'll like put corrections on the following podcast. We need to do that more. Also, if you just want to say hi, give us a ring, 801-896-4542. Uh, same goes with our email address. Do the same thing. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us all sorts of stuff. Uh, send us attachments. I, I always say, uh, you know, we need a new theme song. Give us a new theme song. Mail it to us. We'll use it. Uh, that's yours, mine, theirs podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on Facebook. That's a big deal because you can vote in the movies we watch and the genres we watch and the people we watch them with. Very important. Also, Roy keeps, keeps his notes there. Uh, so. Yeah. Hey, would you be upset if we watched Jurassic Park as an animal attacks movie? Then get over to Facebook and, and make a difference, huh? I don't think Jurassic Park is in the spirit of animals attack, so I am not voting for that when the time comes. Yeah, hopefully, you know, we have the surge of animals attack movies not winning so that we can avoid the question. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go to Facebook, do all that stuff. It's yours, mine, and theirs on Facebook, just like you think it would be. Go to yours, mine, theirs podcast.blogspot.com that is where you can download all the mp3s directly because uh spotify and apple Podcasts they don't necessarily make every single mp3 available like they should but also go to those places and give us high ratings on those um and Ammon, remember to tell your friends to listen to this particular podcast on spotify so you could win spotify the big on spotify. end of the year prize we'll yeah because we're going to check the spotify results and uh yeah those results will win and i think those are that's all the contact information i think i think so yeah, yeah. hey you curious how uh Ammon's last podcast did i'm a little curious i am curious terribly <laughs> no you got you got you did, you got some listens on spotify Good. yeah again just like rains strangely compelling <laughs> <laughs> let's do awards let's do it roy what do you think is the best title please sure so i went with notorious I, um i mean caesar caesar and cleopatra's right out because it's just like saying bill and james right yeah um so notorious, yeah. Uh, notorious and deception, both lovely one-word titles, right. and notorious is uh, sounds more like Nazis. So right, no, that's a, that's a good reason. Notorious is a really cool word in itself. But Ammon, did you agree with Roy here? I, I did, and it's funny because part of the reason why is I can't hear it without thinking. No, no, notorious. notorious. Yeah, here we go. Call back. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, I actually went with deception because I think notorious is a cooler word, but deception I think fits better in the title. Like I don't think notorious really fits. I guess it's Ingrid Bergman's character. I don't. She's a notorious floozy. She's a notorious floozy, I guess, and that's okay. But deception I kind of like because it's like. I'm not sure exactly which deception they're speaking of. Is it Claude Rains' deception to Betty Davis in like not being clear on his controlling nature of her, or is it Betty Davis deceiving, you know, uh, Paul Henreid because uh, she didn't want she her, dated someone, she while dated he was someone, dead. or is it you know Betty Davis uh, deceptioning? Uh, Claude Rains with you know uh, this 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 new lover you know so it could kind of go a bunch of different ways so mm. um, I'm gonna oh next issue uh, Ammon best poster please 
So I think that they're all great sort of classic Hollywood posters. I think Caesar and Cleopatra is the best. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. It's, I like I like the the colors and it's a fun. It poster. is yes, a sir. pretty great poster. It's got the most stuff going on. Yeah. The notorious poster is cool because there's the outline of the key and everything. But the there's key it. isn't that big a deal. Is it sh- as big a deal as it should be in the movie? So I yeah, I think we all want Caesar and Cleopatra. It looks like Rage of the Lost Ark or something. It looks really cool. Has the best phallic <laughs> symbol in the middle of it. Nice. So. <laughs> uh, let's see which symbol are you talking about? I did not pull it up. The big. Uh, big column. Hold up here. The giant unit column. Oh, okay. The, like the obelisk? Yes. Ah, I see. What they're saying with that is Claude Rains may be short, but... <laughs> but he's got an obelisk. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, Roy, best cr- opening credits, please. Okay, so this is in the era of Hollywood where all opening credits are there's a gray background and you just change title cards. Mm-hmm. So none of them are great. Right. Uh, which one did I choose? Uh, I Notorious, I guess. I liked the music best for Notorious. It was like kind of horror movie music, which didn't make sense, mm-hmm. but sure. Okay. Yeah, three for three so far here. That's that's exactly what I thought too. I think that, yeah, again, credits are kind of boring at this point, but the segues into the next shot nicely and the music is the best. Okay, well, I didn't pick that one. Good. Oh, I picked Caesar and Cleopatra because it was in color. Vibrant technicolor. <laughs> Color. Yeah. Uh, although the uh, the deception one was pretty cool with like the the tall letters with the shadows on the letters. That's true. It was very yeah. It was the noir font. Yeah, noir movie font. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, and the music was good too, so that was nice. But yeah, Ammon, they're all good. Best technology, Ammon. Yeah. Okay, it's a combination of two things. It's what it is. Is you roll up a carpet. Ah. You take it on a boat, and then you get a crane, which they had in. I'm sure they probably had cranes, and you lift up of the up. Uh, I was going to say Liz Taylor, but that's wrong. Uh, Vivian Lee in a carpet, yes, uh, wrapped in, and that was really cool. Especially because Apollodorus could clearly have just like carried, like barreled her up those stairs. I don't know why they did the crane. Right. I guess they had they, access to it. They, they made a really big deal of the crane. Like, does this crane take off twenty people? They're like, no takes two people in boiling water. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was, there was actually a lot of good technologies in these movie, but that was my favorite. That was pretty good. I actually wrote that one down, so I'm going to cross it off. I'll pick a different one. Uh, Roy, what do you have? Uh, I guess it, it, pretty close. I just put rugs, sweet rug technology. Sweet. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple here that you probably didn't think of. Uh, in you. in Caesar and Cleopatra, someone is playing like a sousaphone, but it's shaped like a giant mm-hmm. snake coiled around them. Ooh. Oh, yeah, the cornice. That, that's the Roman soldier. That's, a, that's the, They really marched into war with those. That's pretty cornice? cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought it was just a cool movie prop. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, also, Cary Grant's ID that you can just flash to a cop and the cop just goes away. Like, I guess <laughs> cops have been trained. It's like, okay, yeah, this is like the special ID that people, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, okay, Roy, best outfit, please. Okay, sure. So, I mean, I guess it's the whole outfit, but I just love the bright blue headdress that Cleopatra wears that I guess is supposed to be like a peacock. I, I dig it. I'm for that. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, Ammon, outfit. Again, so many amazing outfits in all three of these movies. Alicia Huberman, uh, Ingrid Bergman at the party 
specifically is wearing this amazing, like kind of like, it looks almost like a suit of armor. Mm-hmm. It's re- but it's also like a fancy cocktail dress. It's by whatever head, Oh, you know, yeah. very- Edith head. Edith head. Yeah. So that's very good. But then also I had to tie it with, um, Apollodorus's uh, victory march in dress with, with at the end. I mean, Apollodorus throughout has like 95 amazing costume right, changes, right. <laughs> but at the end he like has, he's like in the, in his fanciest like costume. And it was really, it like stopped at about like basically where the Hayes code required it to stop. Like if it had been any higher, we would have seen a little bit too much of Apollodorus <laughs> there. Um, and it was really fancy. It was way fancier than and then Cleopatra comes out in just black. And I love that he was by far the most, fancy dressed person on the stage okay very nice okay uh roy outfit i already said it oh you uh did. if you want if you want me to give a second i did love ingrid bergman's first outfit which was just the uh midriff exposed like zebra patterned shirt and then that's know, why he needed to give her the one for the scarf yeah he the midriff scarf he's like i see you're exposing your midriff you're perfect for this job yeah hussy <laughs> oh, <laughs> very says, good. cover up your stupid belly button here's a here's a midriff scarf Okay. Yeah, in Miami, where everyone's famously overdressed, right? Yeah, everyone's in suits like him. All right, and I'm in your outfit, please. Now, <laughs> I can give you mine. It's yours. It's yours. Fine. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with uh, Helena's uh, his dinner glove that he wore. Oh, oh yeah, that big dinner glove that looked like it was for falconry, but it was also for eating partridges. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Best name, please. Fatatita. Okay, I almost picked that because it was a big running joke for uh, Caesar and Cleopatra, and uh, I don't, I don't know if it's very Egyptian, but I do know Vivian Lee sure loves saying it. Uh, More like Fartatita. <laughs> nice. Roy, best name. Oh, Hellenius. Hellenius is also a great yes. name. Yes. When I hear it, I think that he's probably a foot or two taller and made of gold. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, I also picked that. Alex uh, Hellenius. Uh, one time I went to Cafe Rio and I got a terrible case of Hellenius myself. So, <laughs> uh, now, Ammon, best food. There, again, so many choices, right? But I'm going to keep it like, you know, the, just the list of things that they eat at the restaurant, yeah. the weird stuff they eat. In. Don't eat. But I'm going to go with the cold chicken sandwich with which, the, or the cold chicken rotisserie in the fridge in the icebox with which Ingrid Bergman convinced Carrie Bra- Grant to stay in the room for like several weeks and just have sex. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cold chicken. Nice. Uh, I guess that'll do. <laughs> uh, okay, Roy. Well, for the fancy crowd, we got caviar and cake. But I'm going to go with two bros enjoying a bag of dates. Okay. <laughs> That's a good scene. <laughs> uh, all right. I went, I mentioned this already, but uh, when they go to the restaurant, Claude Rains puts his face into the partridge plate, like the full birds <laughs> on a platter. And he just puts it there. There's still feathers on him and everything. He just puts his face in it. So there's that. They also mention English oysters. I don't know what those are. And sea hedgehogs. I don't know what those are. Sea hedgehogs, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I Those were in Caesar and Cleopatra, both of those things. I also like with the pheasant that he's like, because he's, again, he's like telling them, like, apparently they don't tell you how they're going to cook it. You can just tell the chef, like, wildly different ways to cook right. it. 
And I like, first of all, how he's like, they're like one, they're like, no, it's going to take like 84 hours. But he's like, he kept on saying like, I want it stuffed with truffle. Truffle. Yeah. He kept saying, <laughs> right, he I'm truffle. a pretentious person. Yeah. I'm a very pretentious person. Not even I say truffle. <laughs> right? If you're ordering truffle, that's already pretentious right. enough. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Truffle en croissant. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Uh, where are we? Where are we? Alien, Ammon. Who's the best alien? The statue of Isis that's in the background of a lot of things that Cleopatra League point. And she's like, I'm a priestess of that guy over there, right? It was a priest, and it was. We all know the Egyptian gods were aliens. That's how the pyramids built. Uh, Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Roy. Best alien, Cary Grant in Rio, because he's neither Brazilian nor German, so he just doesn't belong. <laughs> right. Uh, I went with Carol Novak, uh, fre- fresh in from his Swedish concentration camp. He's in the United States, and welcome to the USA and all its treachery, buddy. You got a hard life ahead of you dealing with like the people you're going to be dealing with. Uh, okay, Roy, best special effects, please, or FX. Sure. So honorable mention, I love this shot where she comes in deception, she comes back to the apartment and he's playing the cello and you see him from behind and it's the raindrops going down the glass, but it's kind of projected onto his shirt. Okay, good. So that's pretty cool. But I'm going to go with Paul Henry is not playing the cello. It's the old man standing behind you with his arms through your jacket trick. Right. I actually did not realize that. I read about it later. I was kind of... It's amazing. Right. Because I was kind of like when Paul Henry is introduced and I've seen him in other movies, but I still don't, you know, recognize him. Like, I don't know what his face looks like, you know, and I'd never seen the movie before. Like Betty Davis goes into this like, uh, you know, concerto performance and it's a close up of Paul Henry and he's playing the cello and then it zooms out and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, this film is devoting time to this obviously classically trained cellist and it's not going to be the main guy of the movie. Because how can the main guy of the movie play the cello like that, right? Um, and it zooms out from there. So, an clever way to two do that. People, two people, it's like one, one in each person, sleeve. Yeah, yeah. One person doing the fingering and the other with the bow, which is just crazy, right? So let me ask though: Is that that's really Betty Davis playing the piano though, right? I mean, she's a pretty good pianist, according to the trivia. Like they had like a a piano double ready, but she she just kind of practiced the, the part, the piece that like the part of the piece that she was going to be playing a bunch that they, they filmed it and then like, well, maybe we don't need the double. So, wow. Those are not easy pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I can only imagine it. Like, I don't know if they, I mean, they, they must have a silent piano on set, right? Or maybe they just cut the sound out of the scene entirely because that would be easy. But you can, if, if she's playing on a real piano, you got to imagine what it sounds like, like, blah, 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 blah. You know, it looks generally right. Like the hands are generally in the right place, but you don't have to hit the right notes. I've always wondered what that is like when they try to, uh, because it, it would be really difficult to like really focus in and know like, oh, she didn't play that note right. Obviously she's not playing all the right notes if they're not playing the soundtrack that she's playing, you know, at least that's a thought. I don't know. Okay. So my special effects is, um, uh, at one time, Claude Rain says to Betty Davis, I'm going upstairs for my coat. And he whisks past Betty Davis. And as he whisks past, like her scarf flies up in his presence, just whoosh like that, oh, which I thought nice. was kind of cool. Um, 
there's one I read about later that where there's a cup of coffee in the foreground and then uh, a bunch of people in the background and both are in focus. And this was achieved by just a giant oversized novelty cup that that isn't the real size. And that's how they were able to get them both in focus because normally you wouldn't be able to do that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Wait, Amin, you said your FX, right? Okay. Nope. What is yours? So, okay. So you guys, I mean, you guys both went subtle. I had a couple of subtle ones that I thought about doing. Like uh, I mentioned already that I loved the three minute kiss that they got around it by just constantly interspersing it with other things. Um, and so it's like, it's a technical way to get around this like uh, censorship. Uh, I also love the montaging of the fight scene at the end of Julius Caesar, I mentioned, but I'm going to go broad. Uh, Ingrid Bergman, drunk road driving. Oh yeah. Wobbly. Just like really nice and simple. (laughs) Letting you know she's wasted because the camera can't even say still. Yeah. yeah. She's just burning down the road. Yeah. And the cop in the back and the rear projection cop, you know, they're going like 80 miles an hour. It's like, could you pull over please? Yeah. Uh, I love that stuff. Okay, uh, while you're talking, best location. Again, so many good choices. Is it the Nazi Manor? Mm. Is it the sweet townhouse? Is it the love nest? No, it's the little Sphinx. The little Sphinx. That's a good pick. I like. Because it's like, oh, that's cool. They were saying, we know it's in Egypt because it's the Sphinx. Oh, but it's not the Sphinx. <laughs> it's the little Sphinx. All right, Roy. Well, I had uh, Rio, but I think I'm going to switch it to Holanius's mansion apartment. Mm. That place was swank as all get out. Like a mansion in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. It would literally cost $70 million Yeah, which... Yeah, but I don't know about you guys. Well, it's 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 not like I should have been a conductor. I know I should have been a conductor. Like he's he's more popular than Tar, right? Like he, <laughs> he must have like a record company or something, or, or three record companies. I, I, Emily and I were talking about this. We must have decided that like in order to be that kind of conductor, you have to already be an aristocrat, right? Right. Oh, it's yeah. like the side gig is that he composed. Like his real gig is inheriting money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he does on the side. Because yeah, he's got to be worth like a gajillion yeah. dollars. Yeah, so rich. He's like, uh, you know, uh, hey, it's the day after your birthday. Here's a piano. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, okay. Um, I went with I went with Rio, the balcony, the Rio balcony where yeah. they were eating that chicken and nice. uh, overlooking the sea. I mean, come on. I would like to go to there. Okay, here we go. Um, all right, Ammon, do you have a favorite song in here? There weren't a lot of songs, but. There were not a lot of songs. There was a lot of stuff going on in the soundtrack. There was a lot right? of really yeah. great classical stuff. I mean, a lot of times we pick stuff with words. So I guess you have a lot of stuff from Deception to choose. But did you choose Deception? I, I did. So I did not. Go, I thought about going with the Brazilian music playing. Because this is also an experience. So the Brazilian music playing when they're doing the um, switcheroo in Rio. This like was only possible because Hitchcock had just switched studios. And they didn't force me to use canned mu- can, uh, music. So that's cool. But I went with Hellenius's cello concerto. So this is the one. This is the centerpiece of the whole yeah. thing. It's yeah. an amazing piece. It's, so it's by um, Eric Korngold, who again is one of the like he is considered. He's like the composer of Golden Age Hollywood. He's also like a very well regarded classical composer. Uh, and again, like a lot of people are mentioning, so he was uh, you know he was Austrian Jewish. Uh, he and, and he was a, a prodigy in 
uh, Europe. And then he, and he did very serious music. He was a student of Mahler's and he came to the United States as a refugee. And because, you know, Hollywood actually did some decent things. uh, He became a film composer and was a, one of the great golden age film. Nice. Okay. I like, I like that background story. And you said something that I forgot to mention for deception, which I regret. I have to say it now, but uh, have you guys seen whiplash? No. I actually, I saw the short that it was based on. Oh, wow, I didn't see the short. I, I might have seen it with you in at Sundance like 25 years ago. Uh, but making that up. No, it might have been later than that. I might have seen, like, I can't remember. I saw a short and it might have been at Sundance, but it might have also been at, like, the Sundance up in, like, in the local art house theater where they play it. So. It, it must be, yeah. yeah. It, it would have been in about 2013 or so. Like I, I think okay, it was not that long ago. Yeah. 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 But, but uh, no whiplash um, deception is whiplash. Um, the uh, Claude Rains character is the JK Simmons character in whiplash because he oh, controls so much through, uh, you know, just uh, like this, like tyranny of instruction and uh, you know, like getting in people's heads by making him stop and like uh, just, just really messing people up. And he claims it's for their benefit, but I think the movie kind of says otherwise it's a really great movie. Uh, so yeah, JK Simmons is, is Claude Rains um, in, in the whiplash. We need to watch whiplash for the podcast, right? Write it down in the trailer. Does it say JK Rowling or not JK Rowling, <laughs> JK Simmons <laughs> as Claude Rains. Yes, as J.K. Rowling. As J.K. Rowling. As Ron Weasley, yes. Uh, okay, all right. Roy, do you have a recording of your song? I do, and uh, this is going to be a little familiar to Ammon, so here we go. Nice. Excuse me, I think I'll ask the orchestra to play some Brazilian music. They've played waltzes all evening. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. That's good. All right. So, yeah. Brazilian music. I call it Brazilian music. Brazilian music. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, Roy, you want to. I actually I have a couple lists. Do you want to queue up yeah, song yeah. one? Song one. Here you go. Not, not, <laughs> this is a perfect end credit. Yeah. It's like. It's pretty much like, you know, they struck gold. You know, they did it years and years and years later with You Do a Kill, right? Yeah. Adding that to a movie. Send me the entire song. Uh, I did, yes. We can play it as long as you can stop it. Honorable mention to when Pet Shop Boys did the soundtrack to Metropolis, too. Right, right. Honorable mention to that. That actually never happened, but uh, Freddie Mercury and Giorgio Roder. And uh, Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar, yeah. Yeah, there's some great ones in that. That's that's some good stuff. Okay, uh, Roy, you want to play my real song? Go ahead. John, you're the one. <laughs> my heart, my heart, spread out thy wings, spread out thy wings, shake off thy heavy load of love. Yeah, that's that, Caesar and Cleopatra? That was in Caesar and Cleopatra. That's when Apollodorus is like uh boating across the channel. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. It's yeah. the worst. <laughs> Before he's going to jump in the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, Ammon. Uh, actually, no, Roy, let's go with you because this is always a tricky one. Roy, best guest, please. 
Sure, Benson Fong, who plays uh, Halonius's butler, butler but um, he has been in some Charlie Chan movies, but not the one we watched. Oh, nah. okay, that's too bad. And he's in Deception too. He's going to be like the pretty much the star of the trial scene. I'm sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he's framed for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like Carol, like does the whole thing. He's like, just becomes like this, like criminal mastermind. Huh. They like, go back and they plant evidence. It's really intense. All right. Have you guys seen on that? Just really, have you seen the movie uh, unfaithful? No, the Diane Lane one, Diane Lane and Richard Gere. It's, it is deception, right? Well, except for, it's, except for Richard Gere, AKA Carol kills, the much younger lover in that. Right. Uh, but at the end it, it is, it's like at the end, they're like, they decide to say that they don't tell anyone, but it's like, you just hear like this, like siren in the distance and you see them both looking at each other. Like, Oh, is this when the cops are coming to arrest us while we're like being suburbanites? Mm. And that's sort of what I imagine their life like after Indeception too. Huh? Okay. Anyway, sorry. Okay. We'll yeah. have to, uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Roy put that on the list of movies to watch, although we do know how it ends now. So. Yeah, that's true. Dang it. <laughs> I'm sure you guys didn't know that there was going to be anything bad that happened. In it. Uh, no, no. It's based on the title. I was like pretty secure in the, you know, in it being a positive movie. Uh, okay. Ammon, do you have a guest star? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, you know, I don't know if you guys got, so of course Hitchcock famously shows up in every movie. Where did you show up here? Did you guys catch it? Uh, I read about it later. It's like an hour in, I think. Yeah. Roy? I didn't catch it. I was thinking about it a little bit ago. The guest at the party and he's getting like, remember how um, the Butler is like so nervous because they only have like six bottles of champagne for like 900 guests. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and you're like, well, how is this ever going to work? Hitchcock is one of the guys who's getting a drink and the Butler's like, oh man, we're going to run out anytime now. (laughs) Oh, nice. Okay. You know who else would have made for a good guest? Okay. John, do yours. So I, in case I steal it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I actually picked Stuart Granger, who plays uh, Apollodorus. He's oh, okay. so swarthy and uh, and and happy. He's he's a good good addition to Caesar and Cleopatra. So we've never done this a, we've never done a Vivian Lee movie before. We never have really. By the way, I've come up with a new category, and it's where you have to have three actors who share the same last name. And I thought you could do a Vivian Lee movie. And a there's a couple other lays, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and then the girl in Psycho. What's her name? And uh, Hesh- Janet Lee. Uh, Janet oh, Lee. Okay. Anyway, something like that. Anyway, moving on. External recurring character Roy, who appeared in another. Speaking of, not Vivian Lee, she's not here. But yeah, who who appeared in another Years Mine and Theirs movie? Yeah, Flora Robson, who was Flatatita, was also a Stygian witch in Clash of the Titans. Whoa, nice. that's really good. And that's when Ammon was on. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. Huh. Very nice. Very nice. That's fun. All right, uh, Ammon, do you have a recurring character external? So I did, I did a couple. They recurred in different movies, but we would know that they were together, right? Mm-hmm. Paul Henry. Right, right. As Oslo Novak. Yeah. Yeah. His, job, his job is to be Central European refugee. Yeah, right? yeah. And of course, Ilsa, Ilsa Lund, Ingrid Bergman, has now switched sides as Alicia Huberman. Or not switched sides, but has a father who switched sides as Alicia Huberman, right? Or Huberman. Yeah. How do we pronounce mm-hmm. that? Huberman. So yeah, they've both they they both made it out of Europe into different Claude Rains movies, and I also know that Casablanca <laughs> in Africa. But bear with me. Oh Very no, good. that's good. That's good. I I picked Ingrid Bergman, so that counts. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, Roy, let's hear your internal recurring character, please. 
Yeah, this is gonna. This is crazy. Uh, it took some real digging, and it's Claude Rains. Claude Rains. You're picking Claude Rains. <laughs> that you yeah. can count that. You can count that. Ammon, did you also pick Claude Rains? I did not, and I also could not find anyone else. But there is the love triangle, yeah, and different relations to to it are at the center of all three of the movies. Cleopatra, the least, but you know, as we know, they're hinting at it heavily. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, I picked uh, honorable mention to the character name of Alex. Claude Rains is named two oh, yeah. people named That's Alex. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Alex and Notorious and Alex and Deception, which is funny. Uh, he's like they when they hired him for Deception, he's like, okay, how much time do you need to prepare? He's like, well, if my name is Alex, two weeks, but if it's something else, three weeks, because <laughs> I just finished playing an Alex. Um, they also have femme fatale assassinations, like Fatatita killed that one guy. And yeah. um, and then, of course, you know, Betty Davis kills Claude Rains, you know, whatever. But no, the big one is David Olselznik, who mm. in opening credits of both Caesar and Cleopatra and Notorious. Oh, smart. Yeah, like it, it says Vivian Lee, courtesy of David Oselznik because David Oselznik let let her out of his girl cage in his mansion to be in (laughs) Caesar and Cleopatra. That's Vivian Lee. And it says the same thing in notorious. It says David Oselznik allows Ingrid Bergman to be in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Mm. crazy. So David Oselznik. It's the current Hollywood strike is just against David (laughs) (laughs) Oselznik. Who wants to have AI copies of all the leading ladies of Hollywood ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he was doing way back then. <laughs> okay. Uh, am and best death. Best death. Oh, I had to go up. I mean, again, some good deaths. I'm going with Helenius on the stairs. The classic fall. Yeah. Like he does it so good. Yeah. Head first. And he also like insulted her when he died. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did he see it coming or not? It's not clear. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Roy. Yeah, Hellenius. It's it's I, it's a great scene and beautifully done. And uh, anyway, it's lovely. Okay, I'm not picking Hellenius. I'm picking a different guy from Caesar and Cleopatra. Oh, I just this just in. Hellenius is not a character from Caesar and Cleopatra. <laughs> just sounds like he is. Okay, no, I'm picking Pothinus, uh, like kind of the fat senator guy. Oh, was yeah, like, that's he, was, John Candy? he was kind. It was John Candy. John Candy. He was in the. He was in the palace and he's like, you know, I'll get you. I'll work from the inside, even though I'm a prisoner or whatever. And um, Fata Tita, that's the guy who, who she kills. But my the reason he makes best death is because like it happens off screen and like everyone in the palace like hears a thud. Like, what was that thud? <laughs> Sounds like a fat senator just was assassinated. Yeah, like it was like apparently his death was heard throughout the palace. So I, like I also that. like because he's been, he's been taken as prisoner and like five months later. He's, he wants to go see Caesar, and Caesar's like, I thought like you guys let him escape by now. And I'm like, no, he won't escape. <laughs> so he was like, they're like, when is he going to finally escape? But instead, he just gets murdered. So, right, yeah. right. Yeah, like Caesar was like, you know, could you usher this guy out the door? <laughs> okay. Uh, Ammon, best villain. Best villain. Again, a lot of great villains, but you got to go with Madame Sebastian. The Nazi mom. Nazi mom. Okay, yeah. There's a reason why it's a great trope. She's just such a great villain. She hates Alicia so much. Uh-huh. And it's like, 
when her son's like, oh, she's an American. He's like, how could I have been so dumb as to marry an American spy? She's like, I, I knew it was an American spy. She's like, I knew it was an American spy, but therefore I also knew that she was an American spy. But don't worry, mother will take care of this. It's like, just she's just a great villain. Yeah, she's really good. Okay, Roy, do you agree? No, I'm going with the cold-blooded Cleopatra. Just murdering fat senators and then murdering the murderer of her fat senators. Yeah. She's, just, she's murder crazy. All right, Cleopatra. Yeah. Controversial choice. Yeah, uh, famous, famous historical villain, Cleopatra, yes. Yep. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Cary Grant as my villain. <laughs> <laughs> I think he Fair. should have been more forthcoming in the mission and everything. And, uh, and yeah, he should have been more open and, uh, and loving. And also, I, I don't... I think he could have acted better, too. Okay. Uh, Roy, best hero. Sure. So I'm going to go with Alicia, who, mm-hmm. uh, man, she does a lot for her country. She took and, one for uh, the team, a bunch. Took, yeah. took lots of them for the team, yeah. living with the Nazis. She gets Nazi yeah. poisoned. She almost Nazi dies. Um, yeah. So good work. And six months later, she dies of radiation poisoning. Radiation poisoning, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Ammon. So I had her also because she is objectively the he- the best hero. But now I'm going to switch it up since Roy's already taken that one to Apollodorus. Because he's like super heroic in a movie that actually doesn't need much heroism. Yeah. <laughs> like unnecessarily heroic. <laughs> okay, no, that's good. I almost picked Apollodorus, but I picked him for guest star. So I actually picked Rufio because like he's heroic in like the classic sense. He's just a war general and uh, and he compliments Caesar a lot. It just kind of like the old school heroism where it's just like a yes man who gets things done. <laughs> okay uh am and best goof best goof having cleopatra escape the palace in a carpet rather than as i already told you guys entering it in the carpet which is what she did irl um, okay also cleopatra wearing several dresses that have zippers in the back uh. <laughs> i didn't notice that that's good <laughs> right yeah that's mine that's yours okay good okay same movie <laughs> Uh, but it's in the credits. Uh, they misspelled the word produced, uh, spelled with a V instead of a U. Which. <laughs> Prodvaked. Yeah. Uh, which they, you know, it's an aesthetic choice, and actually they kind of dig it because, you know, Roman numerals with a V and everything, but it's a goof nonetheless. Yeah. All right. Uh, Roy, best LOL moment. So. There's not a lot in these films. Not, I we were we've been laughing a lot this podcast, but <laughs> so <laughs> didn't gonna, laugh a lot while watching the movies. I'm gonna go with the death of Flatatita because everyone in the movie thought it was funny. So <laughs> they must know something I don't. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Ammon. So yeah, again, not a lot of funny moments, but like objectively like or not objectively like if you think about a lot of claude's reigns performances not in notorious but in the other two outside of the context like he's doing them in a kind of a comic way and like if he's just changing a little bit the scene the dinner scene where he's ordering would be hilarious yes yes like isolation that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. That was the, the best almost funny scene. Or ordering of food. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with in Notorious at the party at the beginning at uh, um, Ingrid Bergman's famous like party when everyone's passed out except 
for uh, like uh, she and Cary Grant are the only ones who aren't passed out. Uh, at one point, Cary Grant like sets her drink down on an unconscious party guest, like on their neck. <laughs> it just like sits there. Yeah, it's just, like this this person's like neck is exposed, and he sets the drink down on them. Okay, he's a card. Yes. All right, Roy, best D minor moment, the saddest of all moments. Oh, boy. I guess, so they thought it was funny, but I thought it was kind of sad when Cleopatra had Flatatita murdered. Uh, yeah. So that's my LOL and my D minor. So, was it Cleopatra who had her murdered, or was it? Well, Cleopatra told the guys, like, go, you go kill her right now. I mean, like, she said the words. She incited the murder. Yeah. Okay. All right. She let them know that that was her assassin, and so they had to get rid of her. Yeah, yeah she knew what she was doing. Hmm. Okay, Ammon, sad. Saddest moment when, at the end of Deception, when she walks out and everyone says, you must be the happiest woman in the world right now. Yeah. Oh. She really She said, I'm not, I'm Betty Davis. <laughs> yeah. That is... That's, that's a good one. Reminds me of that Simpsons when um, the kid... Uh, when Bart steals the video game and like the kid who wants the video game, like his mom says, don't you already have bone storm Gavin? His name is Gavin. And, <laughs> and, and he goes, no, I don't have bone storm. I have bone squad and storm bone. Stupid. She's like, oh, okay, we'll get a bone storm, please. And then the kid goes, get two. I'm not sharing with Caitlin. His sister's name is Caitlin. <laughs> and then Bart is seeing this kid and Bart goes, wow, he must be the happiest kid in the world. <laughs> that's one of my very very favorite simpsons it's so good i love it okay uh okay my d minor moment is uh i actually feel sorry for alex sebastian and notorious like the sympathetic nazi i guess when he gets gets shut out of the cab he doesn't know what to do he's just like ah i'm lower level i'm just letting the nazis use my house i don't want them to make me drink the uranium you know let me in the cab please the nazis are back there (laughs) <laughs> those guys are nazis <laughs> come on Kerry Grant <laughs> don't you know there's nazis in my house oh man okay. yeah it's rough wow. stuff yeah we watch a lot of sad movies he also seemed to like again this doesn't make up for the fact that he's a nazi but he seemed to really really care for Alicia right, right? yeah it's like it's kind of unfair it's like, oh yeah the girl the girl I had a crush on five years ago she's like into me now but little does he know it's this massive government conspiracy that's what <laughs> that's the only yeah. way she would like him he's committing war, war crimes for an evil regime it's kind of sweet <laughs> yeah Okay, uh, Ammon, the best WTH moment. What the heck is going on? So, weirdly, I didn't have a ton in any of these because, again, they're so subtle, right? Right. Yeah. But to the extent that there was one, where did I put what it was? I just lost it. Come back to me. I've got three if you need one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. No, I've got one. Come back to it, yeah. Okay, Roy, go All right. Well, so the one I'm going to pick, I'll tell my honorable mentions later, but Cary Grant like a Korean war vet snaps Alicia's neck to sleep. Like he snaps her neck, but he doesn't break her neck. He just makes her go to sleep. I read, that, I read that in your notes, but I don't remember that part what? happening. Is that like in the a car? And he's like, snap. And she's just like, I oh, thought she was right. yeah. And, uh, but it turns out that he just, that's like his version of the sleeper hold, I guess. Like a Vulcan thing. Like, I he, guess it looked like she was like dead. Anyway, did uh, pinch. I also have obviously Christine shooting Holanius. If I hadn't seen the trailer, 
that clearly shows her picking up a gun and that which is not in the movie then i don't think i would have seen that coming hmm. um but then also carol strangling christine and it's like oh, not a big deal you know we strangle i strangle people sometimes and uh you're yeah cool. that was mine carol strangling christine oh sorry to steal it from you then That's yeah mine. okay i remember what mine is now though those are better ones mm. but and it's not because it's not so much a, a what the hell moment but it's like the, the the tensest moment, right, is because it, it, Daniel's tense is when he's walking down the stairs at the end at the end of Notorious, and you're like, how are they going to get out of it? And then you realize, oh, it's because no one can say anything. Yep, it's like a genuinely surprising moment. Yeah, yeah. And his mom's like, help him, you know, pretend like you're helping your wife down the stairs, you yeah. idiot. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, okay, Ammon, best scene. The, I mean, again, I think every scene in Notorious and Deception were really good, yeah. but I think in terms of like sort of technical brilliance, like I thought that the whole party, the Nazi party where they discover things is just like solid from, from finish, start to finish. Okay. Just brilliant. Story. Okay. The Notorious Nazi party. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's close to my scene, but different movie for me, Roy. Okay. Uh, well, you, oh, you're picking the wedding scene. So, um, I just after <laughs> after Christine kills Helenius and he falls down the stairs, and then the camera just pulls back, and it's just him splayed out of the bottom of the stairs, and she's at the top, and you have this incredible shadow from the the stair railing against the wall, and it's just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. Okay. Well, you you guessed mine. Uh, the wedding scene, very good. It starts with this jazzy number of the, you know, the wedding thing, and then uh, the big entrance of Claude Rains in Deception. With a cape. Yeah, he has a cape, and they're like, "Oh, Claude Rains, you're early." And then he says something like, "Or perhaps I'm too late." <laughs> <laughs> and then she plays the piano, and that's when he smashes the glass in his hand. Yeah, uh, and the, he's saying all sorts of vague things where you don't know what the you know I don't know. It was a good. I thought it was a good centerpiece for the uh, for the deception movie. I'm glad I met your husband. He's a good sort, and I liked having sex before he got home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that line. Uh, okay, Roy, best actor. Yeah, Claude Rains in Deception. Oh, okay. Good, uh, Ammon. Wonderful, yeah. So that is the correct choice. Right, I it is. Did it a non rains. I did a non rains just because it's just like because it's rains, rains, rains. Yeah. And I have to say, I liked rains before this, but he's brilliant. Like I came away from this like he's so good in very different ways in all three of these movies. Yeah. yeah. But in Deception is the one that he just runs away with it, right? But other than Claude Rains, it's Ingrid Bergman is a very compelling performance yep. as Alicia. Oh, I, I like her a lot. Yeah, she's yeah. she's great. And, uh, you know, she had a lot to work with and she uh, ran with it. So good for her. Yeah. Now, I was going to pick Paul Henreid for uh, committing so hard to learning the cello. <laughs> uh, but then I found out he wasn't playing the cello. So I didn't pick him. So I actually went with a guy named Ernest... Thesiger, he was actually Dr. Pretorius in Bride of Frankenstein, but he plays Theoditus, oh, yeah. Theoditus in um, in Caesar and Cleopatra. And so just a great, he's the librarian with the long gray hair. Oh, oh yeah, like, yeah. And uh, Roy, I actually have a clip of this one to show his incredible acting. John Actor, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> You're so stupid. It'll get better. Whoa, whoa, 
That's yeah. Tour de force. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ernest Thessiger. Yes. Uh, I, th- I I choose to believe he was directed that way, but a lot of woe work. <laughs> whoa, whoa. He was given okay. one word and he just went yeah. all out. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Roy, best titular line. You mentioned earlier you couldn't find one. Did you make one up? Uh, let's see. What have I got? Yeah. Okay. So it's from Notorious, and it's when he finally learns her assignment, and they're having a hard time, and he says, well, you're perfect for this job, aren't you? Because you're a notorious floozy. That's good. <laughs> notorious floozy. He didn't say something like, what a deception. You're perfect for this assignment. You're a notorious floozy. I haven't seen this one person so notorious in Caesar and Cleopatra. Okay. Uh, Ammon, do you have a titular line? I also could not find a real one. I also thought of that the notorious somebody at some point should have said, these Nazis aren't the only thing that are notorious around here. That's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Roy, I actually have a recording of titular line. It, it's, it's related. Whoa. Yeah. Let's see. I have no idea what's about to happen when I press play. Okay. Amazing creature. She deceives everybody. Don't talk like that. I'll talk as I please. Now, that's that the closest close. I could find. Yeah. I actually, I was like, I'm like, I'm going to find one. So, it, fortunately, all the scripts for these movies are available. Um, and I went and I did a control F and I could not find the word notorious or the word deception or the combination of words Caesar and Cleopatra in any of these three movies. And I thought for sure they would have just used the word, but apparently they didn't. Mm. But she deceives everybody. That's the closest I can come. Oh, very good. Yes. That's, that's actually pretty darn good, John. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, Roy, best quote. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Had me worried for some time. A woman of that sort. What sort is that, Mr. Beardsley? Oh, I don't think any of us have any illusions about her character, have we, Devon? Not at all, not the slightest. Miss Huberman is first, last, and always not a lady. She may be risking her life, but when it comes to being a lady, she doesn't hold a candle to your wife, sir. <laughs> Sitting in Washington playing bridge with three other ladies of great honor and virtue. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to call my wife not a whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, Ammon, do you have a quote? I do. So I don't have a recording because I'm not fancy to you guys, but it's, 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 it's Hellenius. Cause Hellenius, like I could have just Hellenius entire transcript is the best quote, right? But the specific moment when, when, uh, uh, Laszlo, Carl, <laughs> is like, I don't want to eat and drink a bunch of stuff before I play the cello. He goes, oh, no, you're mistaken, my dear fellow. The greater the pleasure, the more important to preface it with a good meal. We should eat well tonight, though simply. I wouldn't dull my perceptions for anything. I think that in a different world, if I was a li- had grown up a little less religiously, mm-hmm. a lot richer and a lot more talented, that's the kind of line I would want to be saying at a restaurant somewhere. <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> it's it's a little too late to be more talented and more rich, but yeah. You could still say the lines. You could still, you know, right. have that air. <laughs> yeah. Next time you're at Chuckarama. <laughs> Sir, your credit card has been declined. I'm like, but did you hear my monologue? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, okay, Roy, I have a quote one for you. Quote one. Like all women, why does a sheet at the sight of a couple of scratches? 
calm and smiling like a hospital nurse in the presence of a mortal wound. So yeah, that's when he cuts his hand on the on the goblet. Oh yeah. And he's like, "Oh, you're white as a sheet with these things, but when you with the mortal wound, you don't care at all." Yeah, which is what he was talking about when she goes and gets married without him. Now, uh, I have some honorable mentions. I don't know if you want to play them or not. Some of them are yep. really good. Okay, one says John quote backup one. Uh, is that an honorable mention or what is that? And that's, one that's that's the first honorable mention. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. Statadita, strangle him. <laughs> okay. That's when she sicks her servant on the Roman guard. Strangle him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Number two. For this gut scraper, this puppy of people like myself, if I write, plate, and if I write, oh, yeah. plate, oh, I'm going. Now you listen to me. That's his raspberry scene. It's yeah, great. His raspberry scene. And he's. Yeah, that, was, that was one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. I, I love it. He's like, oh, this guy is just so. Now you listen to me. And it, like in the same breath, he still has this, like, uh, just this nobility after doing the raspberries. <laughs> All right, last one. He's making fun of act, like actors and composers. It's like the only reason he can go is because I told him to go. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> All right, John, here's your final honorable mention. All I right. They call me a great man. It's the loneliest animal in the world. Yeah. So anyway, ultimately, just a lot of great Claude Rains lines in Deception. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. Let's do taglines, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. uh, Roy, why don't you start? What is your winning tagline and then your fake taglines? Not a lot of choices, although there's multiple choices from the Cleopatra poster. I like the multiple choices. Yeah, I, I went with the multiple choices. So we'll I'm go. going with the top banner. Your eyes have never seen such lavish splendor on the screen before. Yes, I like yes. that. Yes. Yep. That was mine also, part because it was one of the only choices, but also because it's, it's still true, even 80, 70 years later. Yeah. I, I went with, uh, as you know, as long as we're looking at the same poster, I went with C... The pleasure-mad revelry of ancient Rome. <laughs> okay, uh, Roy, do your fake ones. Sure. Caesar and Cleopatra. Uh, worse, Caesar-Patra now. Deal. Uh, let's see. <laughs> For Notorious. Uh, girls will keep the secrets so long as boys make a noise. Uh, Notorious. Good, good. Yeah. That's good. That's a lyric from the song, folks. It's a lyric from the song. Okay. Uh, from Deception, she's hiding a lie that's totally understandable and not a huge deal. All right, I'm done. Good, good. Okay. All right, Ammon, what are your fake taglines? Okay, so Notorious. Actually, not so much Notorious as cynically taken advantage of. <laughs> uh, similar thing with Deception here. Yeah, it's hard to see how the Deception is really worth it in this case, at least. <laughs> yeah. And then Caesar and Cleopatra, the real life story of what happens when the manic pixie dream girl trope and daddy issue trope collide. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Mm. That's a good summary. Okay. Uh, for my Caesar and Cleopatra tagline, I have, will she find love? No, that's for Antony time. <laughs> I don't know if Antony like grinds with another as well as I want it to there, but okay. Uh, my notorious tag you own the money, 
you control the witness. (laughs) 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 And my deception tag, uh, and let the truth be strangled out. (laughs) Okay, let's see here. Let's see here. Special awards... Yay. Uh, the, I think we just, oh, wait, I've got one weird question that we didn't get. Did, did, oh, okay. Can I ask my one weird question? Yeah. It's we've talked about a little bit, Go but ahead. here it Go is. Ahead. Did fancy restaurants really used to bring pheasant carcasses around for you? Like custom order. I How do you want them? Like, I love that this fancy restaurant and they like, just bring out like a bunch of pheasants. I yeah. desperately hope so. Right. And then you get to shove your face right into pheasant butt, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this it pheasant seemed... was eating corn. <laughs> it seemed kind of real. It seemed too weird to make up. So, yeah, I, I hope it's I'm true. I'm guessing, but they like they had the feathers on and everything. They were just too alive. It's how long does it take? They've like, clearly feathers. just been killed. Yeah. Like it was like they've just been killed. Yeah. So he picks one and the other two they just throw out into the alley. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we yes. killed you. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. No special awards. Uh, I have written down in incongruously matched love interest. Best incongruously matched love interest. Right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Roy, who do you have for the bad match? Um, I don't, so I had Devlin and Alicia because he seems to hate her, but I think yes. I've, I'm coming around on that. No, so I would no. <laughs> <laughs> so I I guess maybe Carol and Christine because Carol uh strangled her <laughs> and that's not great. So it's not yeah, it's I don't know. The I hopefully she goes to jail because otherwise they're in this weird trouble. Yeah, yeah. there's some issues. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh Ammon, what do you have? So I have and again I feel bad because well, I feel bad for a lot of reasons. One being that he's a Nazi. And as we've said, like he's actually kind of believe that aside, he's a nicer partner. But there seem in all the different triangles, mostly there's attraction on all the sides. Alicia clearly has no attraction to Sebastian. Yeah. Right, right. So mm-hmm. that is my most incongruous pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, ah, uh, life of a spy. Life of a hot spy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We've all seen the Americans, right? And if not, you should see you should watch all six seasons of the Americans where you just see what's his name, Matthew Reese and Felicity Huffman. No? Uh Felicity. Oh, <laughs> the girl who plays Felicity, Carrie Russell, yeah. <laughs> uh, wear attractive outfits and seduce different people as spies. It's it's a good movie or a good TV series. I, I, I remember yeah. I watched the first season. I rather liked it, but that was like it, yeah. it's very that was like ten yeah. years ago when I first started getting backed up. I'm like, oh, right. I can't I can't watch all this stuff. I feel bad. Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry. But yeah, that was my and Carter's pairs, those two. Okay, I went with Antony and Cleopatra because they're obviously paired up, but they haven't even met yet, really. Not really. <laughs> Point. So, yeah, at all. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, now the next is most obvious age gap. Uh, Ammon, do you have a most obvious age gap? Oh, I've- I mean, yeah, Caesar and Cleopatra. It's hard to see anything else here. Well, right. I'm going to say Sebastian and his mother. <laughs> That's what I said. You picked mine. I picked Sebastian and his mom. A three years, three year age gap. Like oh, fair. I guess. I guess he was the product of strange Nazi experimentation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Now battle okay. royale. Oh, we didn't do the. I didn't think of the battle. Okay, let's do the battle royale. So, like a Claude Rains battle royale. Yeah. Caesar, Holonius, yeah. and Sebastian duking it out. Okay. Let's see. One's a Nazi. One's an yeah. but kind One's of the lowest Nazi. Yeah. 
and then the I'm giving it to guy. Caesar. He's killed people with his bare hands before, and he's got a sword, and and he's and he's he's loaded up on dates, so he's ready to go. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but he's so I don't know. I think he's too he's full nice. of dates. He's too nice. He lets his prisoners go, but he doesn't. He can't match the ruthlessness of Helenus. Yeah, so, I think like I think Helenus like conducts him to death. How about? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's like Caesar's got his brilliant plans all worked out, but then Helenius like just like does some nattering little thing and Caesar's like, ah, oh, he's got me. Hmm. Keeps interrupting like, him he, while he's trying to yeah. win a war. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, so he I gets the his. Caesar has the pheasant and partridge like like the <laughs> meal problem. Yeah. But it is funny that the Nazi is clearly the least effective of them. <laughs> right, right, right. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> The least dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite kind of Nazis, the uh, ineffectual ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, okay. We're, we're going to do the Claude Rains swap. Yes. So, uh, Roy, if, if you could swap all these characters to make the movies better, I think, or the stories go better. We, this is the first time we've done this, but well, we're going to swap out all the anyway. characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nazi Sebastian and Cleopatra. I think that, that he's a, he's a gentleman. They'd have a good, <laughs> romantic kind of thing going on but also he's got to hide the fact that he's making nazi wine from john candy and that could be uh funny so <laughs> right right okay so uh, if we're moving on then hello notorious um where when he <laughs> finds out that uh alicia is hooking up with devlin or that they've got a thing he goes crazy and he doesn't just tell his mom he makes life hell for everybody <laughs> and then obviously caesar's deception um, which probably is maybe a nicer film because Caesar seems like such a good fellow. <laughs> he probably <laughs> yeah, just concedes defeat and moves on. <laughs> See, yeah, I don't know if I did this right. Okay, Amma, do you have it? So I did a slide. I did. I just rearranged the Reigns triangles, right? Uh-huh. This is what I did. So I put Helenius and Cleopatra together because she like wants to be dominated yeah. and Helenius likes to dominate people. And so, like, that'll work out well for them, right? And then, like, when Anthony comes along, he, that guy's a murderer. And so, like, he is going to just kill he, – like, he, and, like, a, a brutish murderer. So, he'll just kill – he won't get – like, Helenius can't get into his head because he doesn't have a head to get into. Mark Anthony will just kill him. Hmm. Um, Caesar and Alicia, because they're the most likable. They're both oh. smart. I think that, like, Alicia's notorious ba- – he, he's not going to be a jerk about it like Devlin was. He's like, okay, you've got a pass. I've got a pastor. Pastor. <laughs> he doesn't have a pastor. They both have pasts and they're fine with it, right? So they just rule the world together. And then Sebastian and Christine. Christine, it's like she's kind of amoral. She doesn't care that he's a Nazi. He's a nice guy. And like even if like if if she carries on with someone else, like if if Carol comes back, he's kind of not really smart. She can just meet up with him another party. As long as she doesn't invite him to the party, it's not a big deal. Yeah. So well, there you go, John. Okay. 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 So let's send Seba- uh, yeah, Alex Sebastian, the Nazi back in time to be Caesar, because as long as Caesar's like uh, conquering everything, I guess he may as well be a Nazi. And that's like an, uh, one less Nazi conquering some, something you in a different time. A Nazi with nuclear secrets wandering around Egypt and hooking <laughs> up with that hussy Cleopatra. That'd be something else, huh? Yeah. Well, at least yeah, it'll be an already time movie. traveling. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then in notorious, what's left of course is that, uh, Hellenius 
is like he's in the mansion and he could probably stop all the other Nazis through kind of mind games and intimidation and clever lines and stuff. And he makes the cellist who's playing the Brazilian music cry multiple times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that'll happen. He'll like revolutionary revolutionize like Rio music. Right. And so that leaves uh, in deception. We get, I guess, Caesar. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Caesar's in, in deception. So you have like this, this guy who uh, he owns half of New York. So that's just another, just kind of one-to-one. It's like, okay, just another rich guy. So since Caesar owns so much stuff, maybe Caesar in the, in the present day won't take over as many things as he did in the past. Hmm. So it's funny. We all took that category. I think they all, we all took the category in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird one. I think <laughs> the Claude swap, we're going to do that every time now. And it's always going to be Claude Rains. <laughs> Okay, well let's uh, let's rank these suckers, shall we? Uh, yeah. Ammon, number three, please. Okay, Caesar and Cleopatra. Yeah, it issues. There were a lot of good things about it, but it had serious issues. Yeah, Caesar and Cleopatra, which, by the way, um, was eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so good for it. It just has that acting. You guys, I played that acting style that's all through Caesar and Cleopatra, <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like Man of La Mancha. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. It it doesn't work. So my number three is Caesar and Cleopatra. My number two is the very famous Alfred Hitchcock turning point, Notorious. My number two is also Notorious. I kind of wrestled with it, but mm. I definitely enjoyed Deception more. Yeah. Interesting. So I, like you guys, wrestled with it. I went back and forth. These are two of the best movies I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Like They're both, I mean, like, they're both top excellent movies. But I think I liked Deception a little less. A little less. Okay. I was like... A little. The thing is, I, I'd never seen Notorious, and I liked it, um, but I, I just... The the bad thing about it is I just wouldn't put it with... And you know my feelings about Cary Grant and everything, but I wouldn't put it with like the big other Hitchcock movies that kind of are more life-changing. And I kind of expected Notorious because it's such a big name to be more life-changing than it was. And so even though I like Notorious a lot, I was a bit disappointed with it. And I was kind of sci- like, uh, what's what's the word? Blindsided. I was blindsided by deception because I didn't yeah. think... And, and ultimately, and it comes down to this. I think Claude Rains is best in Deception. The Claude Rains character Definitely. was the best in Deception. And I think yeah. that carried he a lot. Nails that movie. Yeah. 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 All right. For sure. Woo, woo, woo. Cool. Well, good work, you guys. That's right. great work. Okay. Thank you, Am. And it looks like your time is done. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll have to come in and pop in, you know, at another time because, you know, we can't get enough of you. And it's it's always great. Yeah. I always have fun. Yeah. Um, I'll come back whenever you guys want. Okay. Well, hang on for a bit because you're going to yeah. hear us push play on future business or, or pushing play on the button now. Do we have yeah. future business before? Okay, we're pushing play right. I am pushing play, and we're about to hear JB's picks for the future podcast. Okay, pushing play now. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have we're we're talking from the distant past. We have JB on the phone right now, and he's going to give us his birthday movies <laughs> from his rule bending years. From what I gather. Uh, I so didn't, I didn't bend them as much as I wanted to. I still stayed within the amalgamous. 
of your alive years you yes okay okay, good you have you have february is a month i do eight ending in eight is is a year traditionally the worst month for movies and yet there are some winners that I that I chose from now in, in a couple years I'll be doing this too because I'm also February. It's um it is a good month. Uh, it it I will say um the it is it is a little easier pre 1998. I think movies really stopped being released in February unless you know Roy as we talked about the re 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 release that shows up four times on IMDb when you're like, when was this movie actually (laughs) released in a theater? So um, I will, I will say the 1978 year I was born tough month for February movies. You don't really have a lot of options. You have like black Emmanuel, white Emmanuel, which is a soft core lesbian film. I, uh, you have a Henry. And you couldn't pick between those two. (laughs) You have Henry Winkler, something that, that Roy sent me, which I don't even think is an actual movie. I the, think is it called like the one and only it's like a, a comedy about Henry Winkler starting fake wrestling or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but it wasn't from what I could find released in February. So okay. the one I'm going to pick, which is another problematic one, but has a, has a warm memory in my heart because the book is significantly better than the movie is coma. Toast almost. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was really hoping was going to happen. <laughs> My favorite uh, Roy Depeche Mode homage <laughs> when he sings comatose really slowly. Now, it was released partly in January, but partly February 6th. So, now, and it. it is a movie. It and is it a is a movie, movie with, with Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yeah. It, it, or wasn't Kurt. A, it wasn't a TV movie? No, it oh. was an actual movie that made yeah. $0, supposedly. So, but if, mm. if we want to wait for the rules, no, we're good. <laughs> okay. I do remember it just being on TV all the time as a kid. It was like that and yeah. altered states were on for some reason. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I've never even heard of this. So coma, it's it, a Michael coma Crichton dose. book, which mm. is a good book and turned into a movie, which is from what I remember. And John, correct me if I'm wrong, a decent movie. I think so. I've never seen yeah. Coma. But you should know that it's also known as Coma spelled with a K. So that's cool. <laughs> if only it was Coma Toast with a K. Yeah. We'd have a perfect homage. So now let me walk you through the additional movies. So I went back to 1968 before I knew the rules. Um, and I found two amazing movies, one of which was a movie I watched a lot in my childhood called Blackbeard's Ghost. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's good. Um, so I now, re- and, and Roy, just to refresh us all, why why can't we go back to 1968? You have to be alive. It has to be movies uh, okay. for when you're alive. Okay. I <laughs> know. Uh, okay. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it. I'm not getting oh, after angry. you. I'm just I'm just giving context to the listeners. These are the rules. <laughs> John listeners. just showed up, Roy. You and, gotta and, give him- <laughs> and, uh, JB, you're not that old of a man. I am not alive in 1968. It's true. Uh, so the but the the main choice from 1968 would have been one of Roy's three favorite movies of all time. And by movies, I mean Simpsons clips, <laughs> which is planet of the apes. Oh, I love planet of the apes, which That's- for some reason was released in February of 1968, <laughs> probably because Soylent green wasn't out yet. I don't know. They may not have known it would be a, a classic. They probably thought it was just another February movie like pulse or pulse Two, or, or 
coma. Yeah. Probably a Valentine's movie, which, mm-hmm. you know, a big Heston thing. Well, there is like some, it, some in the far distance Heston Wiener. So that's good for Valentine's. <laughs> um, rated G. Yeah, rated G. Yeah. So. All we needed was a nude bike um, scene and we'd add all of the 1970s. No, films. Planet of the Apes, it's part of the, the, the holy trinity of Heston sci-fi. Yeah, the... Yeah, it's that one, and it's um, Omega Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what would you consider? Soylent Green. Soylent Green. Green, yeah. Um, All right, but you don't get to pick that one. Okay, (laughs) I didn't get to pick that one. So let's fast forward to 1988, which I will tell you two movies I didn't pick. Um, 1988 was filled with great action February movies. The, The one that I toyed with is a great movie called Action Jackson. Oh yeah, I would love Carl that. Weathers. Yeah. Um, the the one Roy that you and I talked about that was my very close third selection is a great movie called Bloodsport. And by great, I mean you can fast forward the first hour because it <laughs> totally doesn't matter and just watch the last twenty eight minutes of training montage <laughs> and butt kicking. But I didn't pick those because I was talking to a dear friend of all of ours, Andy Wilson, and. We kind of went. That. We kind of went over some of these movies, and he goes, "The two movies that you've picked are the most JB movies, so go with those." So, thank you, Andy, for putting these in context. Mm-hmm. The two movies I'm picking are from 1998. Huh. Huh. Okay. First one is a terrific film done by a director named Alex Proyas, who did The Crow, which is one of my oh, favorite good. teenage movies. It's a movie so called I can Dark. Get a guess. It's a mo- yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Dark City. Dark City, <laughs> correct. Oh, Sorry, I, I think Dark City. Sorry, I ruined your guess. Sorry. Um, very underappreciated, very surprisingly little remembered um, movie, but I loved it. And it had Crazy Rufus Sewell, and it had That's the cool. tuning, and it had weird characters. So I would like to watch that yeah. with you two. And the I second movie is, great, an, great. is another underappreciated action film with a, a, a star from a number of. Um, Chinese action films called Chow Yun Fat, who was later in um, the movie where they jump all over the trees. Yeah. Um, which for some reason I totally blanked on. Please remind That's me. Crash Tiger, Tiger, Dragon. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, it's a movie called The Replacement Killers. Oh, right. Which is an okay. exceptional film, at least as far as I remember. But that could be because Mira Sorvino is in it and Mira Sorvino is awesome. Um, so, with your permission, I would like to suggest we watch Dark City and then as a palate cleanser, a little uh, action silliness with the replacement killers. I almost did pick the fourth selection was also from 1998, a little movie called The Wedding Singer. Oh, but Wedding Singer. I feel like we, the three of us have seen that so much that we we wouldn't have to do it. I'd just do right, John Lovett's yeah. backing into the curtain <laughs> over and over again and it would lose the flavor. So. Dark City Replacement Killers, for those of you who want extra credit, watch Blackbeard's Ghost and wonder why we all turned out the way we did. Growing <laughs> watch, yeah, <laughs> watch watch the 30 movies Flinders just listed. <laughs> watch Blackbeard's Ghost extra and then credit. Condor Man. And when you yeah. wake up, let me know how it went for you. Blackbeard's Ghost Man, that's that's uh, the, the height of Peter Ustinov cinema. I mean, it was like that, and then Robin Hood was right before it. Yeah. So, all right. What a, what a power pack. Well, this this is going to be a trial run. This is I, I don't want to promise anything because we're going to see how it goes with two movies from 1998 instead of a movie from 1988 and a movie from 1998. 
And if it doesn't go well, then no one else can do it again. <laughs> That's fair. I would like to say the movie from 1968 would have probably turned out really well, but apparently okay. I wasn't alive. All right. So. Beard's ghost. So Apologies. JB, um, I could have been Blackbeard's ghost by then. Who knows in 1968? So you should know, and our listeners should know that we will be podcasting these movies next week because oh. we lost track of time with Ammon. <laughs> I think we did a podcast late with him and it pushed into a week and we didn't pay attention to that. So one week from today, we'll be podcasting these three movies. All right. What did John, what do we need? What's next? We're good. All right. Nope. We're we're good. We're good. Okay, we'll see you in uh, in one week <laughs> in eighty seven hours. <laughs> eighty seven yeah. hours, unless it's Thursday, and then okay. you'll see us in ninety eight and a half or whatever. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, thank JB. You, yeah. Thank All you right. both. All right. Take care. That's All something, right. isn't it? That was something. That was something. We spoke to JB earlier, and he said those movies that he said, and I'm trying to remember what they are right now. Okay, we're going to recap, even though you just heard it about 20 times you, in the podcast. You all just heard it. We'll work it for ourselves, for our own benefit right now. Sorry, everybody. We're going to say them again. It's going to be, it's Coma, right? Coma. And uh, Dark City, which is pretty great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Roger Ebert's favorite film that year. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. And uh, some other movie from 1998. The Replacement, Replacement Killers. Replacement Killers, yes. Yeah, so, very good. Yeah. Now, uh, I've checked the voting just barely, and we are definitely watching Animal Attack movies. Animal so, Attack movies, yeah. And let me <laughs> let me go ahead and say this. You're going to see the Jurassic poll. Park. You're going to see the poll before you hear this podcast, because we got a podcast next week. So we got to roll. We got to roll. Yeah. So, um John, I'm sure you'll get this podcast out as quick as you can, but we're, we're going to kind of start moving. So sorry. I apologize. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Go ahead and post the poll. You know, I'll have, I'll have this podcast up, you know, like Thursday sometime. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, everybody, uh, you're going to be voting on animal attack movie. I'm going to nip in the bud right now. Um, I just don't feel like we should watch Jurassic Park for animal attack movies. So don't vote for Jurassic Park unless you want to mess with me, which will probably cause you to vote for Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. Okay. So I do want to say also that it, it's not coming into, so we don't have any categories to vote on. After JB does his Animal Attack Movie Community Service, we will then be joined by the great Ross LaFontaine, who you've never met, John, but no, um, never. Uh, an old friend of mine from oh. the old military days. Okay. And uh, so we will find out what the three movies are that made him. Now, this is a little bit ahead of schedule, but we should just announce now that his community service <laughs> is the Losers Club because... Um, we now have con man movies, which has lost three times. So okay. he will either be watching con man movies, fifties musicals or movies where Sean Bean dies. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Amazingly, those have never won, even though those never seem won. like, you know, locks. Great categories. But yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Okay. Well, Ross, you got your work cut out for you. If you're listening right now, I hope you are. Uh, if not, then, you know, whatever. We're not getting paid for this. So it doesn't matter. Uh, and that's that's future business. So I guess that's the podcast anyway. We're done. Okay. All right. We are done. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for the great categories, Ammon. Thanks for the great uh, memories. Thank thanks you, Ammon. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, and that does it for us. I'm going to go ahead and push stop so we can get a going on this. We have to watch We have to watch these JB movies right quick. So we're going to get right to that. So All right. thanks, everybody. Goodbye. That's the plan. We'll try. I will. I will find a time.
during the week. I'll yeah, check if it my doesn't list. happen next week, it's it'll be like three weeks away. Well, so. I feel like I feel like next week is okay. It may not be the normal night you podcast on, but I will endeavor to make it plus or minus a day, possibly. All so. right, make it Wednesday. <laughs> kind of plus uh, or minus so. or the day as yeah. John. <laughs> right, I'm, just, I'm just saying I Thursdays are my late days. Tuesdays are semi late. Mm. So I'm cool with it for Roy's sake. Yeah. I'll make it Wednesday. Yeah. Well, he could, he could watch dark city on Tuesday replacement killers on Thursday and then blackbeard's ghost on Friday. And we could get all of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're watching Blackbeard's Ghost right now. I can hear it in the background. So that's I do, like so. When we first got Disney Plus, uh, I I wanted my kids to watch a classic movie. And we were looking through the classic movies. I'm like, okay, let's watch Blackbeard's Ghost, and and that's the last time my kids let me watch a classic <laughs> Disney live action. So it's it's just different though. Like those are the it's movies. Different. It's Savannah Smiles, Blackbeard's Ghost. I mean, those are the movies we grew up on. <laughs> So we're used to slower, non-action-packed, right? Like, what was the yeah. film with Don Knotts as the fish? <laughs> Mr. Limpet. Yeah, do you remember that? And then Herbie <laughs> Rides Again, and yeah. Condor Man, and Earth Star Voyager. Like, well, you, well, you watch stuff like Pete's Dragon, yeah. where you, you uh, you know, as, as a kid, I guess you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm getting used to the slow storytelling. Yeah. As an adult, you look at it, and you're like, oh, they're just stalling until they can get enough budget to <laughs> yeah, show the dragon they get, again. They get 75 yeah. minutes of non-dragon footage. Yeah. Pete's Dragon <laughs> is one of the most unwatchable films ever made. I I can't watch it as an adult. It's awful. <laughs> we need to watch it for the oh podcast. It, it would be great. I mean, it's What month same. is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's check. Um, it's the same as The Black Hole. I remember loving The Black Hole as a kid. And I watch I'm it afraid. and I'm like... Are these robots that. just going through the whole ship really slowly? Like, why are we on robot cam? Yeah. All right. No, Black Hole's good. I'm so it's, afraid to watch it's still Black good. Hole it's just, I, I want to remember how much I liked it. You would still like it. It's just as John said. It's, just, you know, it's great, but Maximilian doesn't really do it.